Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. And Gibby, the Frangie Show, starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Welcome into a Victory Friday here on the Frangie Show. Frank Frangie will join us in the 4 o'clock hour from up in New York City. They are hanging out and having a blast up there in the Big Apple. Hayes Carline is here. Dylan Denmark is here. Filling in for Andrew Gibson. I'm Lauren Brooks. Hayes, have we had a Victory Monday and Victory Friday in the same week? Ever? Ever? No, I don't think so. I don't think we have. Yeah, I mean, I correct us if we're wrong, but uh, Operation uh, Two Wins <laughs> in Five Days could not have gone better. And uh, it's a it's a credit to Doug Peterson and the players. And the the biggest I think takeaway for me, um, what I wrote on on ten ten xl dot com was last night you win nineteen to three on the road, and and certainly it it shows the talent of the team. Um, but it, this this turnaround has sort of come in three phases it started with your young quarterback blossomed into an elite franchise quarterback that that had to happen and it has happened and we would have been happy if that's where we landed with this season period correct that is all we kind of wanted out of this season correct so Trevor emerges and then two other things that you that aren't definable but you just know it when you see it have happened one is the belief they have an incredible belief in each other, um, which is remarkable considering so many of them have never played together before, and they're with a first-year head coach. And I don't know if that was maybe the benefit of having such dysfunction last year is that there was going to be a yearning for harmony, and, and maybe that is why they have had such strong belief despite losing five games in October. Um so they then had this belief, which is why they were able to come back and win improbable games over the Ravens and the Cowboys. Now, what they showed last night is a maturity that young teams don't normally have. To have the maturity to beat Dallas in thrilling overtime fashion, regroup, go on the road, short week, terrible weather, against a pretty good opponent, certainly a great defense, and to really dominate the game, which is what they did after the first four minutes, uh, it speaks volumes about the maturity of this team. And it's it's got all the ingredients of being something really special. It's 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 such a amazing Christmas present to the Jaguar fans, and it's one that's richly deserved. Absolutely. The years and years of losing – and then, yes, 2017 was a wild ride. It was an absolute blast. But you didn't have a franchise quarterback. And so while it was fun, it was not something that was sustainable. And it wasn't something that even the next year they could try and repeat. This feels like the beginning. We feel like we are in the beginning of a long-term run here. 
and Trevor Lawrence is only going to get better. And I just keep telling myself, Hayes, this is a quarterback who hasn't been practicing, a second-year quarterback who basically we can throw out year one. He hasn't been practicing every day of every, the last three weeks because of the sprained toe, and he's still going out there and playing like that. Now, when he fumbled to start the game, what were, what were your thoughts? Uh-oh. Yeah. You know. But with because, this weather, this defense, well, and uh-oh. It, and it looked like Quinnen Williams was going to be unblockable mm-hmm. all night. And so then you start to worry about, okay, are, are the fears about Shatley – that they that they maybe had two months ago about will he hold up athletically? Is this going to be the game where that really shows up? Where you know he's a gritty player, but he just can't physically hold up against elite interior defensive linemen because on the I mean he he just gets manhandled on the sack and and Quentin Williams did go on and have a, a good game beyond that, but uh, but yeah, I mean you it was incredibly concerning because uh, you you did the one thing that you could not do, which was hand the Jets points. Now I give Mike Caldwell a ton of credit for the blitz on third down, give Andre Cisco a ton of credit for leveling Zach Wilson, and uh in a in a sudden change situation, the Jaguars only give up three points. So, you know, that was great. Then then obviously everything clicked. You know, then you know, Trevor got going. And the offense got going, and I thought Doug Peterson just basically took Robert Sala, you know, behind the bleachers and gave him an <laughs> atomic wedgie. I mean, some of the stuff that Doug Peterson ran last night, I thought was phenomenal. The third down play, I, I love this play. The third down, it was third and one, uh, and it was on the 22-yard completion to ETN. And he brings Jamal Agnew in motion to the left, and the entire Jets linebacking core flowed to Agnew with the snap. And then ETN just slips out and gets into the flat with momentum, and Trevor hits him, and it's a very easy 22-yard completion on third and one uh, into Jets territory. But there were so many examples last night of that. I mean, how well Doug Peterson worked Evan Ingram, uh, and, and it led to his huge night. It's just it's so much fun to watch because we've from afar we've seen other teams have the elite play caller partnering with the elite quarterback and now it really looks like this is the foundation of Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence becoming you know m- maybe one of the best combinations of this upcoming generation and uh, it, it's incredibly fun to watch and and again the Jets have a good defense and. Robert Sala is is a very gifted defensive mind, but I thought that if I thought that in in the weather with the advantage that gave the Jets defense, I was mesmerized at Doug Peterson's plan. It's almost good that Trevor fumbled so that the Jaguars had another chance to overcome adversity. I you never think of that in the moment, but now that the Jaguars have won and it was never really in doubt, at least that's how it felt once we got to the second half. It's almost good that they can look at that and learn from that and, and move on. When Cisco was about to blitz, I yelled out loud at the house. I was like, he's blitzing. <laughs> My cousin Carly, who does not really watch football, was over. And after that, she was like, okay, I'm going to go. <laughs> I was like, look, I got excited. I'm sorry. That was a massive play, obviously, with that sack, like you said. Doug Peterson last night knew because of the weather that Trevor had to get the ball out quickly and he needed some of those short throws. And that's what he did. And talk about Evan Ingram, like you mentioned. Everyone all day on 1010XL, when I was wrapping presents, I was not listening to Christmas music. I was listening to 1010XL because it's Victory Friday and it's been so much fun. Everyone's talking about how Evan Ingram has to come back. 
I believe Mike DiRocco wrote an article recently that detailed that Evan Ingram wants to be back. So I'm hopeful that we don't even have to worry about that in the offseason. Well, yeah, and you have the tag available to you. Mm-hmm. So uh, of your free agents that are upcoming, I think you would utilize it on Evan Ingram over Jawan Taylor at this point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they it's interesting how they're going to have some decisions uh, that, that maybe are going to be a little harder than, than what they thought. Like Rayshon Jenkins, you obviously can't release him now. So you're going to have to figure out a way. That was one contract that maybe you were thinking they were going to move on from, but right. they, they can't now. They could try and restructure it. Um, but yeah, I mean, now they've, you know, Trent Baalke is, is talked about, you know, well, we haven't spent, we haven't pushed anything into the future. Like a lot of clubs have, which gives us flexibility. Well, that's good because now you're going to have to, um, because you can't start losing core players off of what you've got here. I mean, Evan Ingram, you've got to figure out a way to bring him back. You'd love it to be a, you know, some, a three year, $33 million deal with 25 guaranteed, uh, to to you know, but it but if you can't come to that, you're gonna have to tag him because he's just too valuable to let go at this point, and and he's still young, and and obviously he's such a tremendous person. I mean, he's exactly what you want in the locker room as well. So, um, I I, I can't imagine that. I mean, Evan Ingram, you, you have to think he loves playing for Peterson, loves playing with Trevor. I uh, loves his place in the offense. I mean, why would you leave unless the Jaguars are, are, are going to lowball you? But I, I don't know why they would do that. So I, I would put it at a very high confidence level that Evan Ingram returns, assuming he gets through the rest of this season healthy. I, I would put it at 85%. Uh, I think that's got to be priority Good. number one. And then, uh, and, you know, and we got time to go through the, the rest of it. But um, after the playoffs, exactly, knock on wood, Yeah, after <laughs> uh, the Super Bowl. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think Evan Ingram's just been fantastic. He's really gotten going. And uh, yeah, he should be a Jaguar for, uh, you know, certainly next year, if not, you know, the next three or four. Can Shad Khan be like Steve Cohen, the Mets owner, and just spend whatever he wants and pay a luxury tax and let's just move along. Yeah. I wish they had that. I mean, there are, again, there are ways in which you can maneuver the cap Mm -hmm. to push it out. Uh, Eventually it'll come due, but if you feel like you've got a window of, of a championship opportunity, it makes sense to do it. And, uh, you know, again, they're going to have, they're going to have one more year of Trevor Lawrence on a very, uh, inexpensive contract um then that obviously is got the potential to go up I would like to think they're gonna sign Trevor to an extension as soon as they can which would be after next year I would think um they could elect to have him play his fourth year pick up his fifth year option I I wouldn't like to see that but that's the club's right I mean he is under contract so um they don't have to extend him I just don't know why you would wait because it's only going to get more expensive the longer you wait because more contracts are going to come in. Exactly. So, um, you know, I, but they're they're in a really good spot. You know, they're uh, they're not going to be able to spend big. But now it's not so much about that. Now it's you know, okay, let's make sure we keep Evan Ingram. Let's make sure that we can hold on to Rayshon Jenkins. Let's you know, let's even you know, Roy Robertson Harris played great last night. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy that when you look at you know contracts that they can get out from under with very little dead money or no dead money he's very close to that list the only guy that we know isn't coming back is Shaq Griffin and that's going to save a substantial amount 
but it, you know, but you kind of lose that by adding in Calvin Ridley's contract, which is paused because of the suspension. So um, anyway, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of variables to this, but I think at the end of the day, to your point, uh, Trent Baalke is going to come up with a plan of this is how we protect our nucleus and Shad Khan's going to sign off on that. And if that means having to write a bunch of, you know, signing bonus checks to push cap charges out for two or three years, I'm sure he'll do it to keep this group together, particularly if they do win the next two. And look, they're likely going to be favored. They're definitely going to be favored at Houston. Uh, then it's just a question of will they be favored over Tennessee? But if they get out of the Houston game without any more crazy injuries, I have to think they're going to be favored at home against the Titans. So you're favored to go now 9-8 and eight and win the AFC South. And I just don't know at that point how, you know, other than Shaq Griffin, how anybody that's contributing can be viewed as, well, we'll just release him and, and move on. I mean, it, it would be in a, they'd be in a great position to be able to – keep a lot of these, you know, guys that will be going into their third year of their free agent deal and basically have Ridley, your draft class, and that's it. Let's go and and you know, maybe you sign a, a B C level free agent to supplement. But they're they're in a great position and it's really exciting. It also feels like for the first time in a long time, this is going to be a franchise that guys want to play for. So a guy like Evan Ingram might take a little bit less money than he might be offered on the free agent market if it got to that point because, he, like you said, he wants to play with Trevor. But this is also now a, such a great destination because you are playing for a coach in Doug Peterson who has taken one team to the Super Bowl and, and won it, obviously. And then this year, we'll see how far they go. All right, there is one player. You just mentioned injuries. One player that might be lost for the season. We'll get to that. And some highlights from the game. You are listening to the Frangie Show on a Big Chief Tire Friday on 10 to Next on 92.5 FM. Now back to a Big Chief Tire Friday on the Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. Visit BigChiefService.com. Quarterback sneak dives with it. Oh, touchdown! He dove over the top to Trevor Lawrence. Touchdown, Jaguars! Welcome back to the Fringy Show on a Big Chief Tire. Friday, Frank Fringy on the call right there, and he will be joining us in about an hour from now. That is the only touchdown from last night's game as the Jaguars defeated the Jets 19-3. to Hayes, when the ball came out after Trevor Lawrence jumped over the pile, were you nervous at all? I thought he had it, so okay. I wasn't overly nervous because, again, he's six six, and so he's got a pretty long wingspan. Mm-hmm. And when he he was able to reach the ball out to its zenith before he lost it, so and all Great he's got, word. thank you, and uh, and all he's got to do is cross it. Like yep. he doesn't have to hold it. As Correct. soon as it crosses with possession, it's a touchdown. The play's over. So I felt pretty good about it. I I don't love the the I don't love the reaching element of the play, um, but Trevor obviously saw that there wasn't a linebacker there that was in danger of you know of punching it out or uh, so. But I I don't normally like that. I, I like doing what everybody now does, which I almost think is an unfair play, is the quarterback just sneaks it mm-hmm. into the line, keeping leverage, and then the running back or two running backs Push just him. come up from behind them and shove them and they're going to get two feet yep. at the minimum when you do that. And so, uh, you know, but, but it worked and uh, it, you know, it was, uh, I tell you, Trevor Lawrence, that, that play didn't really illustrate it, but his willingness to utilize his legs now has made the offense just 
so unbelievable. I uh, particularly in elements like that. I mean, I thought he gave the Jets fits with how he ran um, because he was regularly getting 15 yards, first downs, wasn't really taking massive contact. Uh, I Just mean, one I, time. One, one uh, running did he take massive contact. Yeah, but yeah. for the most part, I, I, I thought that's just such a – it just it just kills you as a mm-hmm. defender uh, from a morale, morale standpoint when, you know, the, the quarterback who you don't really view as much of a running threat right. uh, you know, does get the first down with his legs. And, and again, he, he did it early, and, and to do it in the elements, I thought it was, uh, you know, again, a, another example of Trevor really elevating his play. Seven carries for 51 yards was Trevor Lawrence last night. 7.3 was the average. So, yeah, that's dangerous. And then, of course, you couple that with ETN. And if you take away the sneak, Mm -hmm. then his average spikes even more. Now it's probably around 10. Right. I will say the moment the ball came out, I thought, here we go again. Even though I thought it was a touchdown, you just never know until the officials are done with all of it. Sure. It was just, it was so, cl- again, he, it's just, it's the, it's the value of him being 6'6". Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't, he doesn't look, I, it was funny, I was in, in talking to family last night, they were watching the game with me, like, he doesn't look big on TV. So, like, they're all kind of saying how, like, slender he looks, and th- but Trevor Lawrence is a big guy. Like, you see him in person, if you saw somebody that looked like Trevor Lawrence just, like, walking you know, in the mall or something, you would think that's a big person. So it doesn't, it's weird. It doesn't come across on the screen really, but he's a big guy. And if he, if you're at the half yard line and he's able to reach the ball over cleanly is again, as much as I don't like that, right? Uh, it's, it's going to take a pretty unbelievable play by the defense to knock it out of his hand. Um, by the way, how about Aluakon's Kick? Heel kick. <laughs> I tweeted out uh, in response to somebody saying he must have been watching the World Cup. I put Messi, Mbappe, Aluakon. <laughs> because it was. It was unbelievable. And I, I don't really fault Garrett Wilson for fumbling that ball because you can't practice yeah. that. You can't simulate that. All right, what if somebody's leg comes and their cleat kicks it? Right. Like, I don't blame him for that. It's unfortunate for the Jets, obviously great for the Jaguars. But it was a crazy play. But, again, that's what happens in that kind of weather. It'd be but- funny if, like, the Jets next year in training camp have like a mannequin leg, <laughs> and is there running backs and receivers are going through like drills. the broom, yeah. Yeah. the punching bag. I actually love that idea. Uh, just to put it in comparison, Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, is six five two thirty seven. He does look like a big guy. He does. Yeah. And then Trevor six six two twenty. But I do think, I guess I don't necessarily remember this last year. So I'm not saying that Trevor wasn't as built last year. But now every time I see a picture of him, see him in person, see him playing you can notice the definition of his arms and again I'm not saying he wasn't like that this last year I just remember it more now every time I see a picture of him I think man he must have been lifting heavily this past offseason it makes sense because didn't he he had a shoulder yes that's right he had that minor operation that's probably affected his upper body yeah I don't think he was able to lift as much all right I mentioned the injury you could kind of tell right away I think because it was non-contact Dwan Smoot went down. Ian Rappaport tweeted out a few hours ago that he is feared to have torn his Achilles. That's what it looked like. I certainly hope that's not the case. But if Smoot is gone for this season, how much of a blow? I mean, emotionally, that's a huge blow because he's such a great guy in the locker room and a teammate. But how much of a blow is that on the field as well? I think it's 
I mean, devastating is probably too strong, but it's it's significant. I mean, this is somebody that I do think is a real leader uh, in that group. Uh, he plays 44% of the snaps. Um, and has five sacks on just 44% of the yeah, snaps. Yeah, he's, he's, he's such a lunch pail player. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, That's it's, a good way to put it. It's, it's, a, it's a significant loss. And, again, we don't know what Tra- how Trayvon Walker will be. He's got 10 days to rest now, and, and we can debate how meaningful the Houston game is ultimately going to be. I, I think there's a chance it'll mean nothing. Um, and it's, it's, and we'll get, we can get to that later, but, um, but in terms of smooth, I, I think it's significant, uh, because again, you don't know when Trayvon Walker is coming back. I still am not ready to rely on Kayla Von chase on for any great length of snaps. Um, so your, your depth there is, has been hurt. And I think Arden Key's playing great. So I certainly have no problem with him, but you like to have that rotation and, you know, hopefully, We'll get a little minor Christmas miracle, and Dewan Smoot will just have some sort of a heel or a little bit of a of a calf strain, um, but but nothing that takes him out for the rest of the season, or or maybe even takes him out of the twenty twenty three you know early part of the season. Um, we all cheer for Dewan Smoot, so uh, hopefully it's not a torn Achilles. I, it's encouraging, I suppose, that Doug Peterson met with reporters at one o'clock today. Uh, and you know, he said, we're, you know, still awaiting the MRI probably won't have any information until after the weekend, but I was at least encouraged that he wasn't like, yeah, it's a torn Achilles. And unfortunately Dewan's out for the year. So, you know, maybe just keep our fingers crossed and, and hopefully we'll get, even if it takes him, even if it's a six week injury and it basically takes him out for the rest of this season, you hope for Dewan Smoot sake say being a free agent that it at least doesn't affect his 2023. And he's another guy that, you know, you'd love to have back here, but it's going to cost. So, uh, he, you know, Dewan Smoot is another piece of this puzzle that you'd love to have back. And, uh, you know, hopefully he does not have a torn Achilles. Yeah, I really hope not for his sake, for the team's sake. He's one of those players, you know, sometimes stats are representative of how a player is is getting after the quarterback, certainly with sacks and things like that. But he's a court, or he's a type of player that, Stats don't always reflect just how hard he's working. He, a lot of times, it may not count as a pressure, but he's a step away from the quarterback. Or last week against the Cowboys, we saw his PBU, the pass defense. That kind of stuff, I mean, it obviously is is huge for this team that is young, that doesn't have, I mean, what was our biggest gripe going into the season as far as defensively? They don't have enough big guys. They don't have enough on that defensive line to be able to, withstand any of these injuries and so certainly very glad the Jaguars won last night despite Fodokasi not playing despite Trayvon Walker not playing but I really hope that Smoot like you said it's a it would be a minor Christmas miracle but I really hope for his sake like I said in the team's sake that that he's going to be okay Caleb on chase on how is he playing I think every time I watch him I think he's he's playing much better than last season well Fant wanted no part of him <laughs> that's also he true. was jumping all over the place um but uh <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, again, that would be great if Caleb on Chason, who obviously was on on IR for a good part of this season, um, if he was able to find something. You know, right now he's only played 67 defensive snaps this season. That's basically 6.5% of all defensive snaps. Um, it, you know, it'd be a great story. And, and, and you know, again, in, in a special season, you keep having guys step into role player situations and deliver. 
And uh, boy, if if Caleb on Chason was able to do that, um, you know, if he's able to do one thing a game that you notice and is positive, uh, it would be a big boost. I mean, they now have they have ten days before they play Houston. Houston is really not going to test them a lot from a, a scheme standpoint. Houston is just that's just they're going to try and turn it into a street fight and see if they can win a physical game. Um, but there's not a whole lot of, of mystery there. I'm assuming they're going to continue, if they're both healthy, to rotate Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll. So it's kind of good that the Jaguars saw uh, Strebler. <laughs> Tattooed who, Tebow. Who I, yeah, who I had <laughs> literally never heard of Same. Uh, until he was on the field and looking like he was going to win the game perhaps. Um, but I think it's He couldn't good. throw the ball at all. He, he just, couldn't. He just was a the running throw. to the guy you can't stand uh, <laughs> or that you were worried about. That's a walk-in touchdown yeah. if it's a good pass. But uh, uh, but anyway, so you know we'll see. Uh, but I think it helps that Houston's really not going to throw anything sophisticated, and then Tennessee's not either because if it's Malik Willis now, if Tannehill is able to come back, but if the reports are true and he's done, Malik Willis isn't going to. They're not going to be able to do a whole lot. I mean, you're going to see running quarterbacks now these last two games, except this time you can be ready for it. And uh, I, I don't know that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Maybe the Jaguars have done it. Um, uh, a 16 play drive go for <laughs> like eight minutes a clock and, and result in no points. But uh, but yeah, it was it was interesting the wrinkle the Jets threw in there last night and probably will benefit the Jaguars having seen it because it's what they're going to see in Houston and it's very well what they might see here against Tennessee because I gotta think the plan will be Mike Vrabel will say all right, well we need Malik Willis to throw it ten times and run 15 times and hand it to Henry 30 times. And if Josh Dobbs plays, he's going to run the ball. Absolutely. So it's uh, it's it's really interesting. And then they're probably going to see, like, Justin Herbert show up in the wild card <laughs> round, and it's going to be totally nothing like what they've been seeing for the last month. But we'll but worry about Lamar that. But if it's Lamar Jackson, then once, it's very yeah, similar. Yeah, that's true. And if, so it, it stays if it's on the trend. Ravens, then it would, it would absolutely stay on trend. You mentioned role players. We were talking at Island Wing earlier this week uh, with a listener, and he was asking about Dan Arnold, and he couldn't come up with his name, and so he's like, the tight end, and we're coming, you know, guessing different tight ends. Yeah, he's like, and- the Carolina tight end. I keep saying <laughs> man hurts. <laughs> I was fun when he said fun, the Panthers. I was like, oh, Dan Arnold. I forgot Dan Arnold existed. Well, apparently... Doug Peterson did not. I was so surprised and impressed that he got involved in the game last night. I'm kind of working here, Doug. <laughs> but I thought, uh, thanks for listening, yeah. Mr. Carline. Um, but I thought that Doug Peterson, once again, last week it was Jamal Agnew. This week, Dan Arnold, you know what? I'll get a first down with him. Yeah, it was great to see it. And, uh, and again, he's a good player. And he's somebody that, you know, has not been asked to do much. But, uh, but you know, it was good to see it last night. And uh, again, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's another hero that will be unearthed as we go, uh, you know, continue this amazing run. Because, I I mean, I almost feel like guilty saying this. Okay. I have like no doubt they're winning the AFC South. Like I I know what you mean. Like I now would be like, I know the odds are just like 54% they're going to win it. I would be shocked if they don't win the AFC South now. I don't know about winning the wild card game. Right. But... I would be. Wouldn't you be shocked? Or am I? Am I biting off more than I can chew here? So Jaguar scar tissue tells me you're going to lose. The Jaguars are going to lose in Houston because that's what the Jaguars do, and the Jaguars are going to lose to the Titans because that's what the Jaguars do. 
So that's like what's buried deep in my soul, my my black and teal Jaguar soul. But the eye test from watching the Titans recently and watching this Jaguars team recently says, quit worrying about years past. This is a team that, like you said, believes in each other. That's huge. They have a coach that right now, I, I don't know that I've seen a better play caller ever in Jacksonville. We and, haven't had that. Uh, no. That, that's that has been, I mean. Yeah, that's un- not even arguable at this point, I think. Yeah. So you've got that. You've got this quarterback who he can turn the ball over, and the team is still winning double di- by double digits. It does feel like things are going in the right direction. The reason I'm not ready to guarantee anything yet is I am. These injuries are making me terrified. Yeah. And last night, that hit that Trevor took late in the game makes you oh, scary. Yeah, makes you hold your breath for a, a, certainly a, a second or, or longer than that. All right, I want to ask you about Zach Wilson, and also you mentioned the Titans. Let's talk about them for a little bit. You are listening to the Frangie Show on a Big Chief Tire Friday. We love our friends at Big Chief Tire on Tintin XL 92.5 FM. Now back to a Big Chief Tire Friday on the Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. Visit BigChiefService.com. Two days away from Christmas. Hey, Carline is here. I'm Lauren Brooks, still in Denmark, holding down the fort while Andrew Gibson has the week off. Frank Frangie will join us in the next hour from up in New York City, fresh off of calling that Jaguars victory over the Jets. Hayes, is all of your Christmas shopping done? It is, as of about 1.30 this <laughs> afternoon when I have to uh, make the last stop, which is the liquor store. Um uh, yeah, I am all finished. I, uh, thanks to Amazon, <laughs> I had the really the heavy lifting out of the way weeks ago. Good. Um, and uh, yes, and then today was just sort of tying up the the loose ends. So, I like it. Yeah, how about you? Uh, pretty much done. I will say, last minute I ordered some stuff from Amazon, and those arrived today, tonight, I suppose, before 10 p.m. Uh, so I do have to wrap some more stuff, but that's okay. That's at least fun. Although I am out of bows. So whatever I wrap from here on out will not be <laughs> having a bow unless I take bows from when my parents open some stuff tomorrow. I could take bows take from bow. that and then reuse, which obviously everyone reuses bows, absolutely. right? Of course. Dylan, is all I your Christmas everything. shopping? I'm like a <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I reuse tissue paper. To, uh, oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Bags. bags. Oh, yeah. of course. Dylan, are you all done Christmas shopping? Oh, yeah. Santa's good. Okay. Good. All right. Excellent. Good stuff. All right. Zach Wilson. John Shipley of Sports Illustrated tweeted this out last night, and I was literally thinking it. Like, I feel bad for Zach Wilson as a person. Now, I, I understand he can be a punk, and they've had issues with him already this season. But as far as being that young and having kind of everything you ever worked for crumbling right in front of you and your home fans booing you as early as they were, I did kind of feel bad for him. That, that was the thing that surprised me is how they didn't give him a chance at all. And, and, and New York fans, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I, I understand it for, to an extent. Um, you know, we've certainly had you know disappointments here, but yep. uh, but I did think it was it was a little surprising that I mean it, the boos were immediate, yeah, and uh, and yeah, it's just obviously he needs to be somewhere else in the off season. I don't know why the Jets would hold on to him at this point. Um, you know, if he's able to resurrect his career elsewhere, you know, I think you just have to grin and bear it because obviously you're not going to get much for him in a in a trade. But uh, but I think for Zach Wilson, the best thing for him would be to you know be traded to Minnesota and sit behind Kirk Cousins, who's probably got another year or two, um, you know, before 
you know, he starts to decline. I just, he needs to just be the backup in a room with a veteran who's cagey, knows the league, somebody that he can be, Zach Wilson can be out of the spotlight. The fan base has no expectations of him and he can sort of rebuild his psyche because he just, he looks like somebody that is just, I mean, I I don't know that I've seen a quarterback in this league with such little confidence. I mean, it's just, there just doesn't seem to be anything that's easy for him right now. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I, I feel bad for him. I mean, how could you not feel bad for him? I mean, it's 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 a colossal embarrassment what he's been going through, and certainly some of that's probably his own doing. He probably doesn't work as hard as he should work. Um, he probably hasn't tried to, you know, get guys on his side like he probably should have. Um, so I'm not saying it's not somewhat self-inflicted, sure. but to see any young person struggle in front of the nation like he is uh, and be booed really from the time he takes the field, uh, it's it's tough. But he needs he needs a fresh start. The Jets the Jets would be making a mistake. I understand you took him second overall. He's never going to do anything for you. Like it's clear that he is shell shocked. If there's any talent in there, mm-hmm. it is not going to be rediscovered with the Jets. Because uh, you're feels not like firing. Josh Rosen is what he feels like. Yeah, and you're not firing Salah. Right. You know, Salah's done a pretty good. So it's not like, well, we'd keep him because we might bring in Sean Payton, who might love him. You know, and he might be able to resurrect his confidence. Now he needs to be moved, and like I said, unfortunately for the Jets, you're not going to get much for him in return. But I, uh, you know, I, I just I think for the Jets, it's going to be a distraction moving forward. Um, you know, it, it makes sense to me that you know they would be in the market for a veteran quarterback that comes available whether that's Jimmy Garoppolo is it uh, is it somebody that surprises us a little bit a veteran uh you know that that you know wants out of of their current situation maybe Does Tom Brady want to go to New York Carr. see Brady is interesting in that i think the weapons are are pretty good uh, and they've got a great defense and which is what he always the had in defense page, but i still page. i still think i think it would be on his short list but I think it would be like Plan C. I, I think for Brady, the the two that would really stand out would be one year with the 49ers, where everybody knows this is it. I'm going there for one year, then they're going to move on to Trey Lance, and uh, we're going to try and win the Super Bowl, and this this is it for me. Um, the other one that would probably have a little bit more longevity is Vegas. If he went to Vegas, you've got Devontae Adams, you've got Waller, you've got Renfro, you've for now have Josh Jacobs. Now you don't get any help defensively there, um, but you obviously has a great relationship with the head coach and McDaniels. So from a weapon standpoint and a weather standpoint, I think that would be ideal for Brady. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the Raiders have in terms of what they can invest on the defensive side of the ball. That's something that certainly he's going to look at. But the, the top thing he's going to look at is weapons. And so that's why I think 49ers first, because they have it all. That'd be the ideal. Yep. If you put Tom Brady on the San Francisco 49ers, and they, they would have to say, we're willing to let Trey Lance sit another year. Yep. That's now three, um, with really not knowing what you have there. Well, technically he wouldn't have sat this year had he not gotten hurt. Correct. But it'd be three but years yeah, three where years you've got very played. little evidence yeah. of can he do this. But I think it's worth it. I mean, again, look at the Rams. You know, the Rams went all in. They won a Super Bowl, and it's it's hurt them this year. But I don't think that they would trade how the last, you know, 20 months have gone. I think it's the same thing for San Francisco. If you can get Tom Brady, who's got Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and 
George Kittle and a sensational defense. I mean, I don't know how you don't do that. But there's one thing New York has that San Francisco and Las Vegas don't have as much of. Actresses and models. Yeah. And well, we do know that Tom Brady loves actresses right. and models. I think he's going to find those pretty much wherever. <laughs> wherever he goes. Yeah. That, that's a good point. I'm just saying, you know, Sex and the City, film right. New York. Oh, sure. I mean, it, yeah. It's, <laughs> it lines up perfectly. All right. The Titans. So the Titans played twice before the Jaguars take the field again. That's right. That's wild to me. And but It's really wild. Yeah. And, and that's a team that we keep talking about the Jaguars injuries because it's, it's certainly crept up as of late. But the Titans are a team that's really beat up. Incredibly beat up, and uh, you know when you look at, at this now, this situation, I do think it's really relevant in terms of from a st- strategic standpoint how Doug Peterson approaches this, because if the Titans do lose to Houston, then you know Week 18 is going to settle it. You could lose to, I think, yeah, they would have the same record. You could lose to Houston next week. The Titans could beat Dallas and get get you know be ahead of, by a game again but they'd come to Jacksonville and right. Jacksonville would have the tiebreaker if they won cuz they would have swept them. I don't want any Jaguars players knowing that the Houston game yeah. may not matter as much. Well, and so <laughs> that's the that's the interesting dynamic because obviously the Titans are going to host Houston on Saturday tomorrow mm-hmm. and then they play Thursday night. So you'll have their week 17 result in. Right. Before you take the field. Now, the Jaguars will be deep in their preparation for Houston by the time that game is played. But if the Titans, let's just say the Titans lose both games. I mean, the Houston game is now completely irrelevant for the Jaguars. Other than, you know, and Doug Peterson was asked uh, about this today and and said, well, you know, winning nine games is still a big goal for us. We want to have a winning season. And I understand all that. But you're looking long term. And it would be interesting to see what the approach was for the Jaguars if the Texans game means nothing. Um, And there's a good chance it's not going to mean anything. So do you risk, you know, playing your your guys? I don't think I would either. I don't. I think I would, honestly, I think I would tell C.J. Beathard it's your game. Yep. Uh, You know, and rest as much of the guys as I could rest and get ready for – the, I mean, again, it's it sounds a, crazy. We're even having this conversation. It really is amazing. But they, the, the thing is, they can't. I don't think the Jaguars are going to win a wild card berth because the best they can do is nine and eight. And and, and again, it doesn't even matter eight, because they if they go to, nine and eight, correct. they've won the yeah. division. Yeah. yeah. So eight let's assume yeah. they lose and come in at eight and nine. Well, the Ravens already have nine wins. They're the five seed. So you you know, then you've got the Chargers and Dolphins that already have eight. So it stands to reason the Chargers and the Dolphins are going to win another game. And so, you know, it, it really makes it – it's the AFC South or nothing. And that's why the Houston game may not mean anything. Which is crazy. Uh, the Tennessee injury report, I'm looking at it uh, for week 16 going up against the Texans. 16 players were on the injury report, and six of those players are out along with five players being questionable. They have just taken a beating all season long. Granted, a lot of football teams do at this point in the season, and that's why the Jaguars have been lucky to be as as healthy as they've been. But that is just, I mean, that is a Tennessee team that they know also this game is huge for them, and how are they going to do with Malik Willis and, and all that? That's the biggest question. The other thing, too, is let's say Tennessee loses tomorrow to Houston. Then the Dallas game means nothing for them on Thursday. 
So do you sit Derrick Henry, who's really your last Hope. great player left yeah. that isn't hurt? You, you might. I mean, week 17 really could become very interesting in how these two teams approach it. Now, with the Titans, it's a little different because, A, you're at home. It's prime time. So you don't know how, you don't know how ownership's going to feel about sitting key guys. Um, you know the other piece to that is from a competitive standpoint, this might appeal to to Vrabel. Dallas may actually be playing for something, and you never want to rest against a team that is actually playing for something because then you're hurting other teams. Um, and that's that's something that a lot of coaches, particularly coaches that played in the league, don't like to do. Mm-hmm. See, Doug Peterson doesn't have to worry about that because Houston's playing for nothing. I mean, it might even benefit the Jaguars to have Houston win that game, depending on if they were able to win knock, again. Right. They, w- they wouldn't have the number one pick exactly. if Chicago them lost out. Exactly, out of the number out. one pick, yep. But, um, but as it stands now, the Texans have a, a one-and-a-half game lead on Chicago for that number one pick. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. See, my guess is Doug Peterson's going to play it straight up. And, you know, maybe if it's a guy that's a little iffy, they'll, they'll hold him out. But my guess is Trevor Lawrence is going to start in Houston whether the game matters or not. I think that's a, a pretty good guess. And some coaches, too, believe in, I don't want to rest guys. I want them, they've been playing super well together. I want to keep up that chemistry, and I want them to go out there and, and continue what you know they've been doing as far as routine goes. All right, when we come back, we will keep it on the Jaguars. It is a victory Friday here on a Big Chief Tire Friday on the Frangie Show on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Now back to a Big Chief Tire Friday on the Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. Visit BigChiefService.com. Greeting cards have all been sent. The Christmas rushes through. Is this the Carpenters? Indeed. Okay. Good job. She has such a sweet voice. And I believe she died pretty young. Yeah, she was anorexic. Right? Yeah, anorexia. That's what I thought. That's what I remembered from growing up. But I always thought she had a really pretty voice. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> hey, Scarlin is here. Dylan Denmark is here. I'm Lauren Brooks. Andrew Gibson has the week off. Frank Frangie will join us in the next segment from up in New York City. Certainly fun to call that Jaguars-Jets win last night. Hey, one of the players that I thought had a massive impact last night that we haven't talked about in the Jaguars' 19-3 victory over the Jets in New York, Walker Little. He steps in in such a key position and... I thought he played really well. I thought he did as well. Uh, I, you know, I, I think it was a big confidence boost for for Walker Little, uh, and uh, he was able to go the distance, seventy two snaps, and uh, yeah, it, again, I was worried about operationally uh, discipline, you know, false starts. Uh, he had one, um, correct? I think he had one where he kind of rocked a little bit. I think so. Um, but, uh, but it wasn't anything. Funny, in a loss, we remember every one of those. Right. In a win, we just yeah. glossed ah, right over good. the penalties. Right. And, it, and the Jaguars were up pretty big when he did it. It wasn't like it was you know, in, the, in the heat of the, the outcome of the game. But, but yeah, I, I thought he played well. And, again, the fact that physically he held up, you know, there was no instances where you felt like, you know, what's going on here? Why is he, you know, why is he getting manhandled like that? So I, I thought – he he did play well, and it's very good news that Brandon Sheriff seems okay. Doug Peterson was asked about his ankle today, said, you know, yeah, he got rolled up on at the goal line, but should be fine. Juwan, uh, Juwan Taylor, he said, should be should be fine. 
So, uh, you know, the Jaguars avoided what would have been just a cataclysmic disaster mm-hmm. if Brandon Sheriff had gone down uh, because they, they can't afford another injury there. They, they just can't. They've had two, and that's, that's – That's the you, max. Yeah, that's the max. You can't have any more than that, or I think you're going to see a, a real decline in the way the line plays. And the 10 days off, I think, for the offensive line, more than almost any other unit, is so critical. Well, and again, these guys are all young guys, and, you know, it's it's – it's harder to remember it now at 46, but you know when you're in your 20s, your body does about three days of just rest. Your body can make pretty big strides, and and Brandon Sheriff is mid 20s. Uh, um, Jawan Taylor is obviously mid 20s. Uh, you know Sheriff might 30. be late 20s yeah, or 30. 30, but for the most part, these are That's still, still young. young. Men. And, From our vantage point. Yeah, and you give them 72 hours to do nothing but – because all the players have to do over the next three days is sit on their couch, eat as much as they want, uh, celebrate with their families. Like, and they're, watch they're in such, like, peak condition, and they've played so much football to this point that they need to take three days and do nothing except let their body just heal. Uh, and they have all those devices at home, too, right. that helps I mean, them Yeah, rehab. do your rehabs and things like that. But in terms of anything strenuous, nothing, nothing for yeah. 72 hours. And so that should really help. And then even for a player like Sheriff and, and Jawan Taylor as well, they've played so much football that even once you, you come back on that, you know, quote, bonus Monday, how much are they really going to be doing? I mean, I, you know, I, Monday, Tuesday, you know, Wednesday – you know, how, how heavy is the practice grind going to be for those two guys? So they, they really have even more than the, than the three days, I would think. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's good that they'll, you know, they should be healthy for Houston. And, again, it'll be interesting to see how Doug Peterson elects to play that should the game really mean nothing. Uh, if the Dolphins and Chargers win this weekend, uh, and so eight and nine isn't going to get you in as a wild card, and if Tennessee loses – so you're even with Tennessee, and you have to win the finale to to sweep them for the tiebreaker. It, it really will be interesting to see how how Doug Peterson approaches that. I, I can understand why at this moment he doesn't really want to dive too far into oh, that yeah. question. But again, this goes to me. This goes back to Doug Peterson as a player. It, it's going to, I think, resonate with him. Of why would I put guys out there? If there's nothing to gain by winning this game, why would I take that chance when we're possible we're, we're a week away from playing for our lives mm-hmm. and winning a division? And if we win that game, we're two weeks away from hosting a wild card game because they're not obviously going to get the buy. So, uh, you know, from a from a coach's perspective who has played, he might look at it and say, you know what, it might be nice for a lot of these guys to have that second bye week before we play for the AFC South title in Jacksonville. And a team that, I mean, they're going to come at you, like you said, with Derrick Henry. So it's going to be ground and pound, one would assume, and then obviously Malik Willis, too, with the mobility. Doug Peterson, I found this stat so surprising. While with Philadelphia, never had both a 1,000-yard rusher and a 1,000-yard receiver. The Jaguars are very close to having both of those, with obviously Travis Etienne going over, a th- or getting two exactly, a 1,000 yards last night. Christian Kirk is very close to that. But I want to focus on Travis Etienne. The ball security is really starting to scare me at this point in time. Granted, he did not have any fumbles last night, but the ball came loose multiple times, and I understand wet weather and all that, but he's had the 
fumbling issues with dry weather, dry conditions too. Are you as concerned as I am? Yeah, that was one where I was incredibly nervous. I wasn't so nervous on the the Trevor touchdown dive, mm-hmm. but when ETN broke that run early on in the game for about 15 yards and clearly <laughs> lost the ball. Yeah. I I mean, it's like you've got to be kidding me, right? I mean, how is this still a thing? And and fortunately he was able to corral it before it became a disaster, but yeah, I mean, you hate to say it, and, and ETN's a really talented young player, but every time he takes contact now, you're worried about the ball security element of it, and that's not good. I mean, you know, it's 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 something that can be coached. It's something he can certainly improve upon. It's something that players in the past, great players, have dealt with and overcome, Tiki Barber being the best example of that. And their games are somewhat similar. Their builds are kind of similar. So, you know, that may be something that in the off season. Uh, Travis might want to reach out and and kind of get some perspective on how did you kind of go about fixing this. Use the mannequin leg. Yeah, whatever <laughs> it takes. Uh, but uh, he's had a great season, but it's, uh, it is going to be marred by the fumbles mm-hmm. if it continues. And, uh, again, last night, fortunately, he didn't lose one uh, and really didn't even f- – didn't even count as fumbling, right? But it certainly was a looser than than you would like. But yeah, he's at one thousand two hundred and sixty seven yards of total offense now, a thousand even on the ground, like you mentioned, and two hundred and sixty seven receiving, an outstanding year. And you know, with two games left, he certainly has a chance at at the fourteen hundred yards of offense mark, which I think that's 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 an elite level in terms of production. I mentioned to you earlier this week how I thought Zay Jones did a really good job on the double move touchdown, the 59-yard touchdown against the Cowboys of corralling the ball and and making sure he had it securely. I thought Evan Ingram last night at one point in time on one of his catches, also you could tell that he was already starting to think as he took his first few steps, I've got to make sure I secure this ball. So between Chris Jackson and Tyler Bowen, the wide receivers and tight ends coach for the Jaguars respectively, I think they're doing a really good job focusing on ball security. It just seems like between Trevor and and Travis Etienne, uh, they might need to focus on that just a little bit more. When it comes to the Jaguars' next game, the Texans, if it does matter, are you concerned at all about Trayvon Walker if he doesn't play in that game? Are you concerned that it might be – the whole season that we don't get to see him? It, it would be frustrating to have him be inactive for a third straight game. But again, if it's close, even if the game technically counts, you, you need him for the finale. So as long as Trayvon Walker is active for the Titans game, I'm fine with it. I, I'd certainly love to have him available for Houston because I don't think you're going to have Smoot, even if it isn't the worst of our fears and a torn Achilles, you know, so now you're, you're pretty thin if you don't have Trayvon or Smoot uh, in terms of that rotation. So I, uh, you know, they're, they're getting thin in the trenches. We've mm-hmm. talked about, it. they really can't afford another injury along the offensive line. Well, if Smoot is out for a length of time and Fadakasi and Walker aren't able to come back. All right. Well, now you're down three pretty important pieces. And I think that's going to be tough to overcome. And again, all Houston's going to do in that game is try and win a street fight. They're going to try and win a 9-6 to six game. Uh, they're not going to throw it much. And they're not going to be intimidated by the Jaguars, by the way. No. And, they've and, won eight straight against them, and they've also played tougher teams 
I shouldn't say tougher. The Jaguars beat the Cowboys, but a Cowboys team and certainly a Chiefs team very closely. And, and they're going to be told all week that they can play spoiler, even if that's true or not. Sure. And so they're going to buy into that. Let's, you know, our season's ruined. Let's, you know, try and ruin it for one of our rivals. And so. Even though the fan base is going to tell them, please keep losing. <laughs> exactly. And and there and there's going to be no crowd. I mean, right. that's the other part of it. I mean, it, so it's it, it's going to be a, a a challenge for the Jaguars in terms of finding the energy you need. And Houston, I just don't think, is going to do a whole lot with Davis Mills or Jeff Driscoll other than just run it right at you. Again, Davis Mills would throw it, but they don't have any receivers left. Philip I mean, Dorsett's there. Yeah, I mean, say no more. <laughs> so uh, And starts, not just is there. He's yeah, a starter. So I just I don't know how it will be anything for Houston other than uh, 75-25 run versus pass ratio and you know so you'd like to have your trenches fortified because they're going to be in for a street fight it certainly are all right when we come back hopefully frank frangie will join us from up in new york city if not this segment then the segment following we of course will talk to the voice of the jaguars on the frangie show you're listening to a big chief tire friday on 10 to next on 92.5 fm no Hello. Another great guest on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Welcome back to the Frangie Show. Frank Frangie joins us now, the voice of the Jaguars. Frank, how was your evening last night? The evening was fantastic. I think for most of those Jaguar fans that came and not so much for the New York fans. Lauren, I don't think in any game I've called or even been to, I can never remember the booing like that. Could you tell it through the TV how, how loud it was, how it was cascading across the stadium? We could. I mean, it was amazing. So it was a great night for the Jaguars. And here's what I'll tell you. I just stepped inside because it's negative 70 here. That's what I've decided <laughs> it is, negative 70. It is freezing here, but what a good day for the Jaguars. Yeah, it's going to be in the 20s here tonight, uh, right around midnight. Frank, I, I was struck by the maturity that the Jaguars showed with everything that they were facing yeah, what, what did you make of that? Well, I, I, you know what, Hank, I think they've arrived. That, that doesn't mean they're great. They're going to beat everybody. They're as good as the Chiefs. But I think it's a football team that has arrived. I think we all said, and I tweeted this today, and I know we've all said it, there was something different this year. There was a culture. There was a, uh, it seemed systematic this year. They didn't seem dysfunctional. They just weren't winning the games yet. Everything else was fine. They just weren't winning the games. And, and part, of being, part of that is being unflappable when things go badly. You know, the other thing, too, Hayes, I think they knew they had the better team. You know, sometimes you know you got the better team. You could feel that in the stadium last night. I think the Jets know it, and maybe that's because of the quarterback, the difference, the enormous difference between those two, the first and second pick in the 2021 draft. But you could tell they had the better team. They were very composed. I thought Doug Peterson dialed it back a little bit. It was pretty obvious. You get up 10, 13 points, you're probably going to win the game. I thought it was a terrific win in, uh, in front of a very angry Jets crowd. Frank, you had a lot of great calls last night, as you always do, but my favorite was when Devin Lloyd picked it off and then tried to lateral, and then you said, don't lateral too much. <laughs> Stop the lateraling, for crying out loud. We're all scarred by the lateraling. That's, you're right about that, Lauren. But it, it, it was a great night. I'll tell you, it was a, it's really interesting to come up here. It's, it's still more of a giant stadium than a Jets stadium, but that Jets group is an angry group. Being around all of them yesterday uh, and seeing the fact that the Jags, those lowly Jags have raced by them because they got the better quarterback and the better coach and the better this and that. It was almost surreal a little bit. It was kind of an ugly game. It was a slow-paced game. It was a defensive game. Did you guys sense that 
Once the Jaguars got ahead, there wasn't a whole lot to worry about. Yeah, when Strevler came in, he gave them a little bit of a boost. But for the most part, that was one of those games where everybody knows who the best team is. Let's don't get all excited. Get up by a couple touchdowns and hold on. Frank, how much prep had you done on Strevler? Let me tell you what's funny about that. Uh, A, none. Okay, let me start with none. Okay. (laughs) But but when we got there, the word was he was going to be up and they were going to play it. So we went to work on it. This was, Lauren, this was probably hour and a half before kick, maybe. And so we found out that he played at South Dakota, that he played at Minnesota, that he was a star of the Grey Cup. Did you know he led the led his uh, Canadian Football League team to a championship of the Grey Cup? So I had that going for him. Okay. So, but other than that, he had thrown for 120 yards with the Cardinals. But I knew, uh, honest answer, I knew nothing about him until we got the word two hours before kick that he was going to be up and they were going to play him some. The plan, by the way, all along was to play him. It wasn't to bench Wilson and to play him the rest of the game, but the plan was for him to come in there and run some RPO and run some Wildcat. That was the Jets' plan. It just Wilson was so bad uh, that got expedited a little bit, but I knew nothing about him. All, what I did know is when I saw Zach Wilson, and Hayes, you said this a few times, when I saw Zach Wilson three or four times, the Jags were going to win the game. He, by the way, he has, I don't know that he's as terrible as he's playing right now. Maybe he is. But he has no chance in the, the biggest media market in America. He has no chance. He has no chance to resuscitate his career there. Seems like a nice kid. I hope he makes it somewhere. But I promise you it's not going to be in New York. The booing was unbelievable last time. It really was because they didn't even give him a chance. Now, as it turned out, they were right. But uh, but it was it was instant. And I agree with you. He's got to be – they need to move him to a different uh, outpost and get whatever they can for him. And maybe he can resurrect his, his career somewhere outside of New York. But uh, let's talk about Trevor Lawrence. What stood out to you? It looked like uh, he utilized his legs a little bit more. What yeah. was your evaluation of Trevor and Doug Peterson's well, plan? Yeah, the first thing, the first thing you said. Fumbled early. Oh, boy, here we go again. Never buckled. One thing we've learned about him is he never buckled. I thought he made some terrific throws. Missed a few throws. I thought he missed a few last night. Uh, it was it was raining the whole night. Now, Hayes, you were in Philadelphia. It wasn't quite like that, but it was but it was blowing and windy the entire night and raining the entire night. So I think that affected him a little bit. I thought, I thought he was fine. Like everybody else, the time he got drilled, I panicked, you know. I mean, we were all screaming, get up, get up, get up. But I thought Trevor played just fine. I think the Jags played just fine. What was encouraging is that I know the Jets aren't very good on offense, but I thought the Jags ran to the ball better defensively than they had in a while. Did you guys sense that? Devin Lloyd, the light's going on a little bit. And Luakon continues to play well. I hate what happened to Smoot. Uh, I think the word is probably Achilles. I know Doug said today they're going to wait, get the MRI, get the swelling to go down. But I think the fear is, and I, who knows, but the fear is that it's an Achilles. But I thought... Not just Trevor Hayes. I thought the whole team, that looked like a good veteran team last night. That looked like a, an efficient team that showed up, knew they had the better team, feels like they're headed to the playoffs, take care of business on a miserable night and move along. And, I, and that's, what I, that's what I think we all took out of the game. It was an interesting setting last night just to see the fans. It was a miserable night. The Jets fans showed up. They just didn't stay very long. Interesting night last night uh, in New Jersey. I wouldn't have stayed very long either in those conditions and with Zach Wilson playing the way that he was. Frank, Doug Peterson is the best play caller we've ever had here, right? I mean, it doesn't seem like it can uh, even be yes. a question at this point in time. No question in my mind. Tom Coughlin was a great head coach. He should be in the Hall of Fame. It's a shame he's not already. But Tom wasn't a play caller. But Doug's his own play caller, and he is absolutely magnificent. I, I, I'm like you, Lauren. I continue to be amazed by it. I continue. Well, I didn't see that play. Why is that guy so open? Why is that guy so open? I, I never saw that coming. I wouldn't have called that there, and it worked. And so not only game uh, play calling, 
but he always seems to know when to call the timeout, when not to call it, when to use it, when not to use it. And I think the guys have bought in. And maybe the best thing he's done is lead. They trust him now. He knew when to push him, when to back off him. Remember back in training camp we had that conversation? He, he's really done it. Look, the job's not over. There's work to be done. But he's really done a great job with this team. He really has. Frank, uh, an early storyline peaking towards next week is what do you do strategically if the Titans lose to Houston tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, the Jaguars' trip to Houston really is meaningless. Um, so do you rest, guys, or do you go and play like you need the game? And Doug Peterson was asked about it today, kind of hinted that you know getting to nine wins is a big goal for them, but how would you like to see them handle it? I think you play all out. I, I think – this team is too young, and I saw that narrative on, on Twitter today, uh, Hayes. I think this team is too young to go up and down with how you play. Let's, uh, let's, let's play hard this game. This game matters. This game doesn't matter as much. Now let's, let's turn it back on because the next game matters. You know what I mean? There's a psychological aspect to it. Yeah, from an injury standpoint, if, game, if week 17 doesn't matter, don't worry about week 17 as much as you worry about week 18. I get that. I, I understand that part of it. But I think there's a psychological part. There's an emotional part. This team had to learn how to win. This team lost five games in a row, right? So now you got to learn how to, okay, now be prepared. Have a game plan that wins every week. I would be – and I think getting to nine and eight matters. I think it really – so, so yeah, I, I think if you're a more veteran team, Hayes, and you're in the playoffs every year and you start taking that for granted a little bit, then maybe you dial it back on a game that doesn't mean as much. But I, 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 who knows? But that would surprise me. That, that would surprise me if they play it any other way than you normally would play the game. I, I think you play all out, and I'll bet you that's what Doug winds up doing. Frank, Evan Ingram, 68 catches, 723 yards, four touchdowns. He has to be back next season, right? You got to pay him, right? I mean I, I mean, I don't care what it costs. Tight ends are A, too important, and B, too hard to find. Match-up nightmare tight ends that are too fast for safeties and too big for linebackers are too damn hard to find, man. Lauren, I think you got to pay him, don't you? I, in fact, I think that suddenly becomes a real priority. Look, you've got Zay Jones and Christian Kirk who have been fantastic. Uh, you've got Calvin Ridley coming in who you hope can refine the magic that he's had. But it's hard to find that. To, if you don't pay him, where are you going to find that guy? Where are you, you going to find someone? Well, there's, there's a lot of tight ends in the draft. Well, not that have played as much as he's played and know the offense as well as he now knows it and knows Trevor as well as he now knows it. I think you got – I think – what do you guys think about that? Because that's going to be a talker now. You guys agree that somehow, some way, you got to pay him? Without a doubt. A hundred percent. He has to be on this team next year, and I, I think he will be. I don't think Jaguars fans should worry. Yeah, no, so, so I think so. I think, so. I think, I think that's where this thing's got to go. Um, let me tell you a little bit about New York City. It's cold, okay? <laughs> I can never remember New York being this crowded. You know, we all, we've all been to New York, right? And we've all been to New York before, before the pandemic, and we've all been to New York before uh, the world changed a little bit. Well, I got a news bulletin. This is breaking news. Get this out on the news services. Hey, I want it on AP. I want it on UPI. Okay, Do they uh, still have UPI? I'm typing I want it now. It's on Twitch. Okay, type it now. I want it on, I want it on <laughs> Twitch. I'm big on Twitch, you know. Um, this place is like it used to be. You can't move. You can't breathe. It's cold and snowing. It was snowing a little bit today. And, uh, and there's more people here than I've ever seen here. So what a great time. Jaguars had a great contingent up here. I, I, there's an outside chance that my wife, not only came, but sat in the club the whole time because she wasn't braving it, just so you all know that, okay? So she was in the club the whole time. But what a wonderful time, wonderful place, wonderful time of year to be in New York. Cold and snowy and a little bit little bit of sleep today. But what a happy time for the Jaguars, I can tell you that. 
Frank, how about ETN getting to 1,000 yards on the ground? What does that uh, tell you? What a great year for him. And, boy, I tell you what, he's another guy that doesn't back down. He's got to grow a little bit. We've had this conversation a lot, Hayes. We've had it off and on on our show. We've had it on our game broadcast that he's got to learn to change gears. He's got one gear now, which is all out, which means he gets hit hard a few times. Uh, I, I, did you guys did you guys breathe hard a couple times when he bobbled a handoff once or twice last night? I bet oh, you yeah. Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah, the one the one time near the goal line when he got the handoff and bobbled it and regained it and bobbled it and then got tackled for like a one yard gain. Remember that play? We were all we were all hyperventilating there. But hey, look, those the skills in place. Hey, to your question, man, the skills in place. He's really good. I, you want a downhill runner to go with him. I wouldn't mind a two hundred thirty five pound bruiser to be the other back, right? Um, but I but, and so so there's still some some depth and some growth this roster has to show. But man, they're at a good place right now. He that, that was a, that was another good game for ETN. Uh, did, did Kirk I, I, did Kirk get to a thousand? He did if not. He, if he didn't. Not yet. He, okay, he, but he's right there. He right? needs so twelve he, more yards. Yeah. Okay, so he he's twelve yards away. Uh, ETN got there. There's two more games. Uh, Zay Jones and Ingram are still setting career highs. Uh, Evan now has more catches than any tight end for one season in Jaguar history. Again, I, I I feel giddy about this stuff, and I sound kind of silly. But we've waited a long time for it to feel this way. I know it's a 7-8 and eight team, but boy, it doesn't feel like a 7-8 team. Being around them, being on the bus with them, uh, being, being calling their games, being around the national media. Remember, there's a lot of media there last night now because everyone was there to watch. Everyone, number one, nobody else was playing. Number two, everybody loves coming to New York. And number three, the people wanted to see Trevor. So there were a lot of folks there last night that typically wouldn't be. And uh, everybody feels pretty good about where this thing is. I can promise you that. Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 Frank, just to update you, uh, Chris Manhurts needs eight yards to get to fifty <laughs> this year. Okay, so see, that's what I'm that. talking about, Hayes. Milestones everywhere, bro. That's the whole idea. That's the whole idea. So, speaking so of, there's that. Speaking of twelve yards, that's how many rushing yards the Jets had last night outside of Strevler, the quarterback. Twelve yards yeah. in a game that was yeah. rainy the whole time and gross. That's exactly how they wanted to be able to play the game, and, and they certainly couldn't get it done. Frank, I have two questions for you. One, okay. did you follow the Jaden Rashada drama since you were already on vacation? I did not. I know that he was like, for a while, he was, they thought he wasn't going to sign, then he did sign. Okay, give me a quick abridged. What, what exa- I, I know he signed, but there was some talk he wouldn't. What happened? So Billy Napier's press conference was supposed to start at 4 p.m. It did not right. start until 10 after 5. Initially, right. a list was distributed that did not have Jaden Rashada on it. Then those lists were recalled, and then a list, once the press conference started, did have Jaden Rashada on it. I have no idea what exactly was going on behind the scenes. Uh, all I know is Gator fans were certainly on edge, and, and we were on air throughout it all. Okay, so but he did. Uh, at the end of the day, he signed. He's good. He's good, right? At the end of the day, uh, he signed, and he'll be with Graham Mertz in the quarterback room. Yeah, so yeah, he'll be Hayes, starting by you, the second game. <laughs> and Hayes, I know you've got to be excited about the Graham Mertz era beginning. I, I you're the first guy I thought of. You've got to be over the moon for that transfer, right? Well, he's battle tested. <laughs> You know, I mean, he's been playing in the Big Ten. I'll give him right. that. You know, he's gone into Ohio State. He's he's gone into Michigan and won. Um, but uh, but yeah, the uh, the the numbers are not going to dazzle anyone. But uh, but we'll see. All right, Lauren. What's your other question? My other question: What's on tap for tonight? Well, it's funny you should ask. Okay, so I can tell you, we got we've had a wonderful time. We went to see Funny Girl, which was fantastic. We ate at Gallagher's, which was fantastic. And then today, so we've done everything we wanted to do. We, the, the 9-11 memorial, by the way. Lauren, have you been to when I were talking about it? Have you been there? I have not been there. I've, I've been to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., okay. and I would think okay. that they're very similar. 
the 9-11 memorial is, is marvelously done. And I, it's such a, an important part of American history. And it's such an important part of really who we all are, because we all have to embrace what happened that day and how we rallied as a country afterwards. But it is really, uh, it's probably the most um, involved museum I've ever been to. You know, hey, you know, you go to the baseball, the football museum, you guys have been, you know, an hour, hour and a half, you've seen it all. You know what I mean? I mean, they're, they're, you may stick, stay in some exhibits longer than others. You can't get through this thing. This thing is, is really well done. It's sad now. Lauren, you told me that some of your friends told you it's gripping and takes the tissues. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that is an accurate assessment now. It, it is gripping. Everything from letters to families to voicemails to family to, to clothing uh, some of the people were wearing to remain to, to, to destroyed fire engines and plane parts. I mean, it, it is really well done, but make sure you're prepared before you go in there. But, uh, but, it, but it really was, it was honest to God, it was one of the most amazing things. So, so we saw that. But let me tell you what I did for you two, because I, I care. You know, if, I, if I'm nothing about it, I don't care. That's right. We found, we found uh, many pubs, because that's what you do in New York. Um, got to lunch, okay? I went about two deep, and then I said, I'm going to put this thing on pause because I've got a visit with my friends Hayes and Lauren in a very sober and respectable state. So I want you to know pause is in effect now. I also want you to know pause is about to end. So I thought <laughs> yeah. I wanted to share that with you two guys. So we went on pause to be respectable uh, for our 1010XL listeners, but the pause is about to end. So I, I gave you a long answer to your question. Oh, let me do we almost did. We almost went to Sparks, the other steakhouse we haven't been to yet. And then I just said, no, nah, I think it's four pubs, if you, if you get my meaning. I think pubs are probably going to win out over the steakhouse tonight. Well, so I, I admire the pause, but I, I would say this. Uh, you're yeah. the play-by-play voice, and the team is winning. I think we all expect you to be drunk. Yeah, well, well, I, I, I'm still a, I'm, because I'm an old-school guy. I'm still a big believer that you probably shouldn't quite do it on the air. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you, so the minute I hang up, the pause has ended. Okay. That's what you I'll differ Fair from enough. the philosophy of one John Party. <laughs> Probably a little different than John, but, but I will tell you this: in closing, we're having a great time up here. I love this this town, this, this city, this time of year. But more than that, where these Jaguars are, and how long these wonderful Jaguar fans have waited. I mean that from the bottom of my heart, and we and we all qualify as those. These are these are good times, and these are good. And it was a fun night, and you could feel that. Last night was as exhilarating as they won fifty six to ten. It was us, and that's where the Jaguars are. And can't wait to get back and uh, call two more of them, and then uh, and then some of the postseason. So these these are good times here in New York, and good times for the Jags. I assure you. Well, we really appreciate you joining us on your vacation. Go uh, go enjoy that beer and and whatever else comes your way. And Merry Christmas. I'll do it, Lauren. Hey, thank you guys. Talk to you next week. Take care. All right, there he goes, Frank Frangie, the voice. Of the Jacksonville Jaguars winning last night 19-3 to up in New York over the Jets. We've got more to do. We'll go around the NFL, and then Pete Prisco joins us at 5 o'clock. You are listening to the Frangie Show on a Big Chief Tire Friday on 1010XL 92.5 FM. To a Big Chief Tire Friday on the Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. Visit BigChiefService.com. Thanks again to Frank Frangie for joining us on one of his days off. He'll be back on Tuesday with you, Hayes. That's right. I have next week off, but y'all will be at Island Wing Bartram on Tuesday. That's correct. Looking forward to it. Our last uh, Island Wing show of 2022, but we've got a full slate in 2023. So nothing stops. We will be uh, back at the Southside location first week of January. 
Sounds excellent. I've got for you right now, right here, right now, a best bet what to watch. The 12 Days of Christmas High Hands continues this week with high hands ranging from $1,900 to up to $2,300 today. That's right, $2,300 today. My best bet what to watch is fairly simple. Tomorrow, 1 p.m., Texans, Titans. Go, Texans. Let's make week 18 count. Either way, I guess it counts, but go Texans. That's all I have to say. Jeff Driscoll, if you want to get a touchdown, by all means, go for it. Yeah, and again, there still is the the chance that Week 18 wouldn't matter, that the Titans could wrap it up. If they beat Houston tomorrow and they beat Dallas on Thursday Ugh, night I don't even like the sound and the Jaguars go to Houston and lose, it's over. The Week 18 game means nothing, which would be devastating at this point because not only do I think we're getting that game, I think everybody believes we're getting that game and the Jaguars are going to win the game. Right. Uh, and uh, it, it would be one of the great moments in our city sports history if that if that transpires because of the bitterness that, that we have with Tennessee. And it would be nice to finally cost them something. Um, Amen. And so, yeah, and so hopefully it, it happens. But but to your point, you feel a lot better if uh, if Houston takes out Tennessee tomorrow then it doesn't matter what Tennessee does with Dallas. Uh, and, and so that would be great. If they're tied after this week, which they would be if Tennessee loses, uh, they would be tied at 7-7, seven and seven, uh, or excuse me, they'd be tied at 7-8, and eight. then uh, it, it's going to come down to Week 18. It's a guarantee. So, uh, so, yes, excellent call. Go Texans. It sure feels like if the Cowboys beat the Eagles, the Cowboys are going to beat the Titans. And, of course, the Eagles game matters so much to the Cowboys. They're NFC rivals and all that fun stuff. But Gardner Minshew getting the start for the Eagles with no Jalen Hurts. I feel like the Cowboys – I guess I'm almost cheering for the Cowboys because I want the Cowboys to win that game because I do think if the Cowboys beat the Eagles, they're 100% beating the Titans. There's no chance the Cowboys lose to the Titans if they beat the Eagles. It it certainly feels like if the Cowboys are motivated to play in Nashville, Mm -hmm. they will cruise past Tennessee. Uh, they just have so many more answers than the Titans have right now. Uh, it, it's a short week. You're going on the road. I, I understand that. But uh, but Dallas should be a pretty substantial favorite, I would think, for NFL standards in that game. And so, yeah, we'll see. Uh, it, I think the Philadelphia-Dallas game is going to be a lot of fun. I, I think Gardner Minshew is going to play well. But, again, Dak Prescott might play really well, and the Cowboys have a, t- a ton of balance. So, um it, that that's to me that's absolutely once you get beyond the emotions of the AFC South race I'm really intrigued to see Philadelphia at Dallas and and see how Gardner Minshew fares I would assume that they're going to have a similar game plan the Eagles will to the, how the Jaguars played last night and obviously weather aside but Doug Peterson wanted Trevor Lawrence to get the ball out quickly and have find a lot of those short to intermediate throws so to me that's what would be best for Gardner Minshew. He has happy feet in the pocket, so you don't want him hanging back there too long, and he doesn't have a great arm. Now, granted, he thinks he can make all the throws, but he obviously doesn't have nearly the arm that some other NFL quarterbacks do. So if I'm the Eagles, that's the game plan that I'm putting in. Short, quick throws. His He should have a high completion percentage, but don't leave him back there for three to four seconds You know, by any means. Yeah, and I think Philadelphia is just going to try and maul Dallas in the ground game and take a lot of the pressure off of Gardner if they can. So... I, I'm intrigued. I, I, I would imagine the Eagles have heard all week how they're not going to win this game. And I'm curious to see if they play with a little extra edge. Um, 
because it is a challenge for them. They're thirteen and one. They're two games up on uh, Minnesota for the for the top seed, so it's unlikely they're going to lose that. And uh, so their their motivation is, and they're three games up on Dallas. They'd have to completely collapse to to lose the NFC East crown. So I'm I'm eager to see the motivation there, but I think there's just such a history between the two clubs. And I do think Philadelphia's got to be irked that they've been written off in this game. So I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think so, too. Speaking of backup quarterbacks, the Ravens ruled out Lamar Jackson. You're a Jaguars slash Ravens household. How nervous are, should Ravens fans be about Falcons-Ravens with Tyler Huntley? I think they'll be okay in this matchup because the Falcons are starting Desmond Ritter, who really mm-hmm. doesn't show any ability to light you up through the air. So I think the Ravens, it matches up pretty well for the Ravens in terms of Atlanta's going to try and run it right at them. Baltimore does a pretty good job of defending that. So I think, you know, it's it's never a given if if, you, if they don't have Lamar. But I would think it's a very plotting, low-scoring game that the Ravens pull out 16-10, to 10, you know, that kind of game. So, uh, But the Ravens need to get going because they're now a game back of Cincinnati and Cincinnati shows no signs of slowing down. So uh, again, if Baltimore ends up uh, as a wild card team, there's an excellent chance it could be Ravens versus Jaguars in the wild card round of the playoffs here in Jacksonville again, after we had that, uh, you know, amazing finish here a month or so ago. That would be so incredibly insane. I mean, obviously, Jacksonville in 2017 playing, I guess it was technically 2018 by that point in time, but playing host to the Bills in the, in the playoff game was crazy. But having the Ravens come here again, having a former MVP come here, and that was really, I feel like, the Bills' entry point into being good. They didn't have Josh Allen yet, obviously. But the Ravens obviously have been good for quite some time. Yeah, that would be insane. By the way, one thing going back to Eagles-Cowboys I meant to mention. First of all, Gardner Minshew, uh, good luck against Micah Parsons uh, if he breaks through. He's a beast. We saw that here with 12 pressures. But also, isn't it so ironic that Micah Parsons talked about or at least questioned Jalen Hurts and, and whether or not he's the reason that they're winning and now doesn't have to face him this time around? It is, it's a real shame for Jalen Hurts because he is absolutely in the – MVP running and probably is with not playing in this game. It's so close between uh, Mahomes, Mahomes yeah. and Burrow and Josh Allen that this probably eliminates Jalen Hurts, uh, which is unfortunate for him. And and again, you can certainly make a case that Mahomes was already ahead of him, but but certainly it was a nice debate to have. And uh, yeah, that that's again that's why I think that I'll be curious. Philadelphia to me, is tougher than Dallas. And that's what I think Dallas has to prove tomorrow, is that they're every bit that is tough is the Eagles. And again, I mean, I, I think Gardner Minshew is a very capable backup. I don't think he's going to put the Eagles in bad situations. I, I agree with you. I don't know how many bombs he's going to complete, but, you know, he's they've got weapons. I mean, between, you know, Dallas Goddard at tight end, uh, obviously what they have with Brown and Smith at receiver. Gardner Minshew should be able to locate good matchups, even against this defense, and he should be able to hit them. Um, and this it, is when you love having him as a backup quarterback. Absolutely. All the experience he has, the savvy, again, he may not be the best guy, He's obviously not as good as Jalen Hurts, but this is when you want that experience back there. Do you like having football on Christmas Eve that we don't have to work during? 
I love it. I mean, it, this, it's so this, perfect. This really couldn't have worked out any better, right? I mean, now it's uh, you know the Jaguars have won, so now it's you just sort of sit back and enjoy the football while you know the Jag players and coaches are getting some well earned you know rest time, and you get to enjoy Christmas, and you don't have to worry about you know work anything like that, and it, it's glorious. So. Yeah, I can't. I can't Thank wait you, to Jaguars. watch football. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, NFL. I can't wait to uh, lock in uh, Saturday and Sunday and watch a whole lot of NFL. Do you have a specific Christmas cocktail, or are you just normal? I drinks? don't. Okay. Yeah, I, I usually stick to. I'm. I'm. I either drink one of two things. Normally, I drink either Jack and Coke or Crown and Coke, or I'll drink like vodka and cranberry. And people might laugh and think that's a <laughs> sissy drink, but I love it. So I'm not going to apologize. Um, but. Uh, but also, normally, clear liquor, they say, is, is better for you. Yeah, it, normally that's more when it's hot out. Yep. So this time of year, I'm more brown water and Coke kind of kind of guy. I can't drink any of it straight, so don't don't give me your flights <laughs> and you know things like come over and sip this. I I don't do that. I I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a caveman when it comes to drinking. I've got to have my mixer and. Things I'm very unrefined. Hey, that's perfectly yeah. fine. So what about you? My grandfather used to drink this liqueur called St. Brendan's. And so every time he would drink it every day, like just a little glass of it every day. But always around the holidays, uh, I have to have St. Brendan's in the fridge because it just makes me think of him. And that's and awesome. It's delicious. And it's always the perfect nightcap. Like you're done drinking, but you want still like just that sweet and it's a good dessert liqueur. It's so good. And it's much less expensive than Bailey's. It's just like that, like okay. a coffee liqueur, but it's less expensive. So it's a win-win. Dylan, do you have a specialty Christmas cocktail? Just give me sweet tea. That's it. Sweet Don tea. Yep. Nice and easy. I like it. All right, when we come back, Pete Prisco of CBS Sports will join us. You are listening to The Frangie Show on a Big Chief Tire Friday. The best place in Jacksonville for any of your tire or automotive needs is Big Chief Tire. This is a Victory Friday on 10 to XL 92.5 FM. Time for all things Jaguars and NFL with Pete Prisco. The Prisco Report, presented by Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Showtime. On the Frangie Show. Welcome back to the Frangie Show on a Victory Friday. As you just heard, Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. It is the perfect place for all of your sports memorabilia gifts. Open seven days a week, but closed on Christmas. But make sure you get in there if you need any more gifts as we welcome in Pete Prisco, senior writer for CBSSports.com. Hello, Pete. How are you? Good. How are you guys? We are fantastic. Thanks, because it's a Victory Friday. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was impressive last night. I mean, it really was, considering everything at play and the weather being what it was. And, uh, you know, they, they look, it wasn't pretty. Sometimes you got to win those kind of games in the NFL, and I think that speaks volumes about them as a football team. It really does. I mean, defensively, they were outstanding. Now, Zach Wilson stinks, but that's a whole other issue. Uh, but they played good football on that side of the ball. And, and when they, it, it, look, they should have been way up in that game. They gave away scoring opportunities, I thought. Um, and they should have been much further ahead. They actually ended up almost making a game out of it, which would have been a tragedy because they dominated that game. Pete, are they going to win the AFC South? I would say yes. Um, I think in large part because now there's no Ryan Tannehill. Malik Willis, we have no idea what he could do. He played the one game, but you don't know what he could do now that he's a full-fledged starter. So the best-case scenario for them would be for the Titans to lose this week, and they don't have to worry about next week. 
because I think that game, they've always had a history of, of trouble with the Texans, and you don't want to have to go into that game as being a must-win. So if the Titans lose, then it's not a must-win. Then you can lose that game and still beat the Titans and still win the division. So uh, I think that's what you have to look at from that standpoint. Um, you have to hope that you don't need that game next week. Yeah, certainly. Pete, does the Jacksonville team have a fumbling issue between Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne? You know, it's funny because Etienne almost fumbled a couple times last night. And, and so it, every ball security has to be better for him. Um, you can see he thinks about it, too, at times. And so he's got, yes, he's got to be better. You know, Trevor Lawrence is fumble. I don't think that's a problem because he's, he looked like he was getting ready to pull it and throw it and, and ultimately got hit in the pocket. I don't think that's an issue. But uh, ETN's got to tighten up his, his grasp on the football. I mean, he, he did almost fumble on the one run. Uh, then he almost fumbled when he took the hand off the one time and he had to slow up and he got blasted in the backfield. And, and so, yeah, there, there's some concern there with ball security. He's got to be better with it. Pete, they, they seem to have such a, a belief in each other. Is that overrated in your opinion? And and also, I thought they were real mature last night in how they handled the short week on the road. They're a young team. Again, these are sort of undefinable things. Are they ridiculous in your opinion or from your expertise? These are things that are very tangible things when a team goes on a special run. No, that that's definitely something that you can build upon and something you you wonder about, you know. And so they, a young team coming off a big win on a short week in bad weather, usually that can derail a young team. And they handled it, like you said, and and that's a great sign for them. It's a, it's a great thing to show people that hey, you know, we're not just front runners. We can go win a game um in in a tough situation and not at home and not the marquee game. And and I think that's good for them. I think they needed to show that. And and they won ugly. And that's also because they become a team that, you know, you get used to watching them on offense. Now they can be a pretty team, but they won ugly. And that's a good thing as well. I, look, I, I think that team and I think that quarterback is special. I really do. I, think, I mean, I've said it all along. I never wavered in that. I always thought he was the guy. And I say it all the time. There are only so many guys that give a franchise sustainable success over the course of the next decade. He's one of them. And you look at what, you know, I love the comparison. You look at what Josh Allen has done meant to Buffalo, what Joe Burrow has meant to Cincinnati, what Patrick Mahomes has meant to Kansas City. They're small market teams that now are relevant and will be relevant for a long time. Well, that's what Trevor Lawrence does for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's what he does. He makes them relevant for a long time. And, and I think his demeanor is outstanding. I think the way he handles himself, he's a pro's pro at such a young age. And a lot of that, he was forced into that last year when they trotted him out every week to become the face of the franchise. And he handled it like a pro, even though everything wasn't going right. And he had to deal with Urban Meyer. So uh, I think if you're a fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars, you should be thrilled because for the first time in your history, Mark Brunel was not homegrown. And so for the first time in your history, you have a homegrown quarterback who's going to change the trajectory of the franchise. You know, whether it's this year or next year, but that franchise has changed forever. Absolutely. Well said, Pete. And, and we certainly hope it is this year. On the flip side, how do you feel if you're a Jets fan waking up today? You, you wonder about that game way back when. when why did they beat the Rams that day? <laughs> because they would have had Trevor Lawrence and it would have been flipped. And I don't think Jacksonville would have taken Zach Wilson. I think they probably would have ended up with Justin Fields, who's a really good player, by the way. 
but when you look at it, I mean, yeah, that, that, they're not happy right now. Zach Wilson looks lost. His confidence is gone. Um, and look, it wasn't all him last night. You know, Jacksonville, you guys know, the Jaguars have a bit of good pass rushing team, and they got all over them last night. I mean, that the line got whipped. They couldn't run the ball, and that's something that had been great, you know, over the recent weeks. So I think that's something to keep an eye on as well. So, yeah, I mean, everybody wants to point the finger at him, and he stinks. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't alone in that offense and stinking it up on uh, on Thursday night. Pete, I think it's interesting if the – Texans beat Tennessee tomorrow, then the Jaguars and Titans are tied. So really, the Week 17 game doesn't mean anything uh, when the Jaguars go to Houston. The, 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 the division will be decided here in Jacksonville in Week 18. How would right. you approach that if you're Doug Peterson? Do you rest guys, or do you no. go right after the Texans? Go play. Go play. I mean, because you, you look, you, you, there's also the chance that, you know, you, you no, I think you go play because you're building to something in momentum. And we saw that in 96. I compare this, this team to 96 a lot now. And, and it reminds me of that and how a team was blowing games that they should have won, uh, finding new ways to blow games they should have won. And then they got hot at the right time and they started believing in each other and they carried it all the way through. Now they needed the win the last week or needed help the last week, but they got it. Uh, and then they had the missed field goal, but they got hot at the right time. And then when they got hot, they went to Buffalo and won. And then they went to Denver and won. And they came within a whisker again of the Super Bowl. So I don't think you derail that. I think you keep playing. And I think they will keep playing. And I, by the way, I love the way Doug Peterson calls a game. I really do. He uses the entire field. That's what I like about him. All that motion and, you know, we, you never saw it last year, but you see a ton of it now. You know, it gets them playing sideline to sideline. And when you can spread a defense out and dictate tempo that way, I think that's really good. And Trevor Lawrence is really good at it. By the way, I thought it did. Somebody put this out there. His hat that he wore to the podium had the logo from 96. Was that correct? I think Trevor's hat. I think it was Tony yeah. Smith that pointed that out on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, I don't know if he knew that or he just liked that logo, but that's interesting that he kind of – it is from 1996 because it looked that way. That brand of a hat, I know he's worn other hats by them too, so I, I think that's just a brand that he really likes. So I don't necessarily know if he knows that it's from 96 because certainly that was before he was born. Uh, but, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's pretty cool too. Pete, I think the Texans are going to beat the Titans the way that the Titans are so banged up and, of course, without Ryan Tannehill. What say you? Yeah, I think it's going to be close. I, I mean, I, it wouldn't shock me. And the Texans are playing much better. You know, they, they should have beat the Cowboys a couple weeks ago at Dallas. They blew that game. Should have won that game. And then last week they go to overtime with the Chiefs and could have won that game. Now, the Chiefs had almost double the yard. So it wasn't like they, the, the Texans went up and down the field on them. But I, I think Lovey Smith has that team playing hard. I think they're playing tough. Uh, and I think they hang around. I don't know if they'll win the game, but because Derrick Henry – you know, you think Derrick Henry's run through Jacksonville? You should see what he's done through the Titans. I think he has four 200-yard games against them or something in the last four or five years. So I, I, that's my only concern because they're not good against the run. But again, if you don't have the quarterback who can stand back there and make plays off of that run, then you defend it differently. So you want to see how that plays out. You know, it's amazing, guys, when you look at it. This shouldn't even be a race. It, Jacksonville blew so many games. It shouldn't even be a race. They should be 
coast into the postseason and start thinking about even more down the line. Because you go back to the Giants game, the Broncos game, I'm missing well, the Texans game. Yep. They, they should have won all those games. The Broncos, I mean, the, what was the, there was one more I'm missing. Even the opener. Yeah, Commanders. I mean, yeah. I mean, there, there's, if they win two of those games, they coast. Yeah, no doubt about it. How do you think the Eagles-Cowboys game will go? You know, it's, it's Minshew mania. You know, and everybody loves Minshew Mania. I, you, you guys have been around the team as, as much as I have. You know how people in that building used to think about Minshew Mania. It wasn't quite what everybody else thought it was. Um, I mean, I, look, he's he's a capable backup. That's what he is. He'll go in and play well. But I think the Cowboys will respond. I think they'll play better. Remember, they beat the Cowboys when they had their backup quarterback. I think the Cowboys pay him back and beat him uh, for having their backup quarterback. But here's the thing. The Eagles are going to get the number one seed no matter what, I think. And, and then you look at it, the Cowboys are going to be the five seed, and they're going to go play Tampa or or Carolina or whoever, but probably Tampa. Don't you think Tampa could beat, you know, Dallas is vulnerable to go to Tampa and play top Brady and people, as bad as the Cowboys, as bad as the Bucks have played, that's one of those things where you sit there and you say, you're the five seed, you go, oh, that's a good game for me. But then you look at it and you go, well, it's still Tom Brady on the other side of the field, the guys who have won Super Bowl. So I think that's concerning for Dallas. By the way, here's the other thing. Who do you want to play in the first round if you're Jacksonville? Because I, I know you'd rather play. Personally, if I were the Jaguars, I'd rather play Baltimore than the Chargers. Absolutely. No, no doubt about it in my mind. Yep. Even though, you beat the daylight, even though you beat the daylights out of the Chargers. That was a long time ago. Yeah, it was. That was Herbert with an injury and all, and all that stuff, too. All right, Pete, what do you uh, have for Christmas Eve and Christmas? Working, I'm guessing? I'm working. Yeah, I'm working all day tomorrow, and then Sunday I'll go see my dad. But uh, yeah, it's uh, tomorrow's a full work day for me. It's it's all day, and uh, it's, you know Christmas seems like it falls on Saturday and Sunday every year. But it's not, I know it doesn't, but it just seems that way in recent years, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Pete is somebody who you know treasures the the history of the league like you do. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, about the the immaculate reception and? Uh, what we're going to see in in Pittsburgh uh, tomorrow night with uh, Franco Harris? Yeah, today's 50th anniversary is today. Actually, you know, it's, it's, and and his jersey was going to be retired tomorrow. So it's amazing how sometimes yeah. how that works out. It's terrible, but look, I remember that from when I was a kid. I watched it. You know, I remember it. And, and you know, Kirk Gowdy making the call, and and you know, did he did Frenchie Fuqua touch it or not? They still nobody knows for sure. Nobody will say Frenchie never said. And so it's one of the iconic plays in the history of uh, of the of the league. And here's the other thing about Franco. Franco, you know, my growing up Italian, my grandparents, my parents, Franco had Franco's Italian Army when he played. You know, he had this whole group of fan a fan base called Franco's Italian Army. So they kind of gravitated Franco Harris. They loved him. So um, yeah, it was a tough day for for a lot of people in the NFL and. And so tragic that it happened two days before his number's going to be retired. It's only the third number in the history of the team to get retired. Yeah, and Pete, to your point about the Italians, I know Frank tweeted out that that was his mom's favorite player, Franco Harris. With the yeah, Italian Italians love Franco mm-hmm. Harris, man, because he, he's the Franco's Italian army. Absolutely. Well, we hope you enjoy your Christmas Eve and Christmas, even though you'll be working. Yeah, and, and hopefully um, things work out and Jacksonville's playing a first-round playoff game. I'll, I'll get up there and, and uh, do it for CBS Sports, so that'll be fun. Hopefully it'll work out that way. That'd be awesome. Yes, sounds fabulous. We'll all grab a beer. Thanks, Pete. You got it. All right, guys, take care. All right, there he goes, Pete Prisco from CBSSports.com. Remember, you can get 
rare vintage cards and all of your last minute holiday shopping done at Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles on Phillips Highway. They have it all, so make sure if you have a sports collectible fan in your life, you head there. A couple segments to go here before we turn it over to Rick Blue. You're listening to the Free and G Show on a Big Chief Tire Friday on 10 to Next on 82.5 FM. Now back to a Big Chief Tire Friday on the Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. Visit BigChiefService.com. I'm a chicken fry, a cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans that fit just right, and the radio. When you hear Zach Brown Band's Chicken Fried, you know the weekend is almost here for us. I think many other people, Hayes, started their weekend last night as soon as the Jaguars beat the Jets. That's right. Enjoy it. What a uh, magnificent day. To get two wins in five days, uh, spectacular. And, uh, I, I mean, look, I, I get there's some teams that have better records and things like that, but outside of maybe Detroit, mm-hmm. I don't know if any city feels better about their club today than Jacksonville. I mean, it has been so much fun seeing this rise out of the ashes of a five-game losing streak in October and now coupled with Tennessee falling apart, you really feel like this is a team that's going to win the division uh, and host a game and you know see where it goes. But you're probably going to be hosting a team that you've beaten because it looks like the top two wildcard teams in the AFC are going to be either Baltimore or the Los Angeles Chargers. Wouldn't you say both of those teams, as they are sitting – watching all this unfold, hope that the Titans beat the Jags in Week 18? Without a doubt. Even though in past years you wouldn't want to face the Titans because right. Derrick Henry is such a great Yuli Bulldozer. Thank you, Ryan O'Halloran, for coining that. But this year I think they are sitting there going, come on, Tennessee. I don't want to face Jacksonville. I don't know how we got from the Detroit loss of 40-14 to 14 or whatever it was to this point in time. Man, it's been fun, like you said. But I guarantee Baltimore and, and Los Angeles are sitting there going, that is a team that is dangerous right now. No doubt about it. And and again, the Jaguars still have upward mobility. I mean, they will be better January 15th than they are on December 23rd because they are all still, for the most part, new, young, still figuring each other out. And, you know, it's it just stands to reason that certainly more so than a team like the Ravens, it's a veteran team. And I'd say certainly a team, you know, more so than the Chargers. So, they're they're incredibly dangerous. You've got to if you're the Chargers, you've got to take a long flight to get here. Uh, and again, if you're the Ravens, it's it's difficult. You would a lot of times maybe have the intimidation of we're always in the tournament, but you just lost to this team. So the Jaguars, in their building where you'd be playing, yeah, are going to go into that game thinking, well, we've done it before. Why can't we do this again? Uh, it it's it sets out it. Both would be very difficult challenges, obviously, but uh, but it sets up well. It would be something else to see the Jaguars roll into Arrowhead Stadium on you know January twenty second, or you know head up to Buffalo in the, in the uh, divisional Burr. round. <laughs> yeah, I mean it would be it would be magnificent, but well worth it. But well worth it, and uh, yeah, and and that's that's what's so exciting. And again, hopefully, if if Houston does beat Tennessee tomorrow. 
then your meaningful game is locked in. I mean, your week 18 will decide it. Tennessee at Jacksonville. I can't wait to see what that environment will be like because Tennessee doesn't travel. So you don't have to worry about that. Like there will be very few Titans fans here. But I, I mean, I can't, I mean, I, I have to assume it would be a complete sellout with tons of teal and black. Absolutely. It's been so much fun documenting the different players that have stepped up too. Doug Peterson's doing such a great job. Like, like Priso just said, he's using the whole field. We've seen different guys every week be able to be kind of get the guy that gets the game ball, so to speak. By the way, we were doing some Christmas shopping earlier and there were so many people out and about wearing Jaguar stuff. And it took all I had because, again, they're locked in. They're doing their Christmas shopping. They're trying to get in and out. But it took all I had not to say to every single one of them, go Jags. How about that game last night? But, you know, again, they're trying to just check it off the list and move along. But I, I have often been that person that if someone's wearing Jaguar stuff, I say, go Jags. Uh, a few things from last night that stood out that I think we will see moving forward. Trevor Lawrence using his legs. That was, to me certainly part of the reason the Jaguars won last night, but it's also something that we've known is in there, and I think Doug Peterson's just starting now to unlock it, but I think that can be a key to the Jaguars beating, say, the Texans, and, and that game maybe not as important, but certainly the Titans, and, and then potentially, yes, a playoff game. Well, and I think it's good for Trevor to realize that you have that at your disposal mm-hmm. if the elements aren't great, and you know, last night, he kind of said this in his, in his post-game press conference, like, you know, that was something that when when you're dealing with the rain and the wind, I mean, why not use that advantage that you have? And I, I thought it really threw the Jets off. Uh, he didn't rely on it much once the game was, you know, at two possessions. But to have, you know, 50, what was it, 51 yards mm-hmm. um, on seven, it, carries. seven carries, one of which was, you know, a one-yard sneak for a touchdown. So really it was, you know, in, in six for – 50 well that's you know a healthy eight and a half yards uh a tote I mean that is that's outstanding great and, math yeah thank you and uh I really thought that it threw the the Jets off I hope it continues I mean obviously the next game will be in a dome so you won't have to worry about the conditions and we'll see what kind of weather we have in Jacksonville when the Titans come but it's just, I, I'd love to see him do it every week but it's really good to know that when he realizes okay, it might be a little harder to throw the ball with the precision that I'm used to in this weather. I can rely on my mobility to keep the chains moving. And another thing from your favorite play, the third and one, where he motioned Agnew out and then – or had Agnew out wide and then they moved him and everyone moved over uh, for Agnew and then ETN had the 22-yard catch. That's something I think we're also going to see because he's able to utilize so many different weapons. They were – brilliant on third down last night it was and the Jets were not yeah it was really the story of the game I mean and and again Doug Peterson really did a great job of scheming things for Trevor uh, who then did a great job of executing it but to be seven of 16 on third down it 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 just under 44 percent against that defense on the road short week bad weather uh, that that is sensational Uh, so they deserve a ton of credit and you're right the the Jaguar defense did an outstanding job on third down as well, held the Jets to two for 13, 15%, and uh, they were only one of five on fourth down. So, uh, you know, again, the Jets melted down. Zach Wilson didn't play well. But the Jaguar defense deserves credit for, you know, uh, playing as well as they played. And when the Jets went with the running quarterback, 
It took them a while in the series to adjust to it, but they did, and they forced them off the field on fourth down. They certainly did. We've talked all season long about how the pass rush really needs to show up, other than maybe early in the season when it did against the Colts and the Chargers. But I thought the pass rush, we saw it against the Cowboys a little bit and on this past Sunday, and then I think we saw it last night against the Jets. I think they're starting to find a rhythm. Obviously, that leads me into let's hope that Dewan Smoot does not have a season-ending Achilles injury. Yeah, that's that's really uh, what we're all going to be you know, hoping for. Uh, Doug Peterson said they'll have an update after this weekend. So that at least gives me some encouragement that it's it's at least there's a, a shred of hope there that it isn't something that uh, is a devastating injury for Dewan Smoot. At this point, I, I, I'm fine if it's a month. You know, I, I understand if we don't see Dewan Smoot again this season, as disappointing as that would be. But you would hate for it to be a torn Achilles where now his 2023 season is is in jeopardy. So um, yeah, hopefully we'll get good news there and it'll just be some sort of a strain, but not a, a, a full tear. But yeah, I mean, it's, again, it, I'm buoyed by the fact that Doug Peterson didn't say when he met with reporters today at one o'clock, yeah, unfortunately we've lost to once mood. It's a torn Achilles tendon. So I have to think that they have some idea what it is. So if, if there's still that little bit of possibility, then hopefully it'll, you know, hopefully it'll be something that it'd be great if he could come back this season, but that seems to be really, really pie in the sky thinking, but hopefully it's just okay. Long-term. Sorry, Hayes. Anytime you see carted off, you immediately think this is not good. Although the cart came out for Kim Robinson on Sunday against the Cowboys, he waved it off and certainly walked off with the towel over his head. But that made me think, okay, maybe it's not a torn ACL since he waved the cart off. But again, the cart for last, the cart last night for Smoot uh, certainly makes me nervous. All right, we've got one segment to go here on the Frangie Show on a big Chief Tire Friday on Christmas, Christmas, or Christmas Eve Eve, not Christmas Christmas Eve, <laughs> Christmas Eve Eve. I'm gonna get it right. You are listening to the Frangie Show on 10 to Next on 92.5 FM. The personal injury attorneys of Farah and Farah present this injury update. Farah and Farah. Jacksonville. Protecting you and your family since 1979. All right, here is the injury update after last night's victory over the Jets as we welcome you back to the Frangie Show on a victory Friday. Doug Peterson said that right guard Brandon Scherf with the ankle and abdomen injury and right tackle Juwan Taylor with a hamstring injury getting an extra few days of rest before playing next will be a big help. So it sounds like they should be good to go against the Texans. Doug Peterson also believes that Trayvon Walker, the outside linebacker with the ankle injury and defensive lineman Foley Fadakasi with an ankle injury could return against the Texans. So that is all good news. We do not have an injury update for Dewan Smoot at this point in time. Obviously, Ian Rappaport tweeted out that he believes it could be a torn Achilles, but that has not been confirmed by the Jaguars. We will await more news coming up next week. And like Hayes said earlier in the show, hopefully we get a minor Christmas miracle and that it is not a torn Achilles for Dewan Smoot. Hayes, we have gotten through the entire show, and I have not said anything about Florida football because we've talked all about the Jaguars, but I do have a stat for you. Okay. Billy Napier signed the Gators' best blue-chip ratio class since Urban Meyer's last class. Yet, why does it seem like Gator fans are upset? Is it because of the Graham Mertz news? I think, well, no one likes that, um, including <laughs> Mertz's parents. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> By the um, way, Matt Polish, uh, our good buddy from yeah. JOI, texted me earlier with the news and said, 
Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what's so hard about this. The guy wasn't any good at Wisconsin, yet somehow was going to be a great player in the SEC. That doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, sure. Uh, he's, like I said, he's battle-tested. He's a big kid. He's experienced. Other than that, I mean, I, I guess Billy Napier just assumes that his system will fit Mertz better than Wisconsin's. And, you know, it, but I, I, I don't get it. In terms of the recruiting class, I think a couple of things. We get caught up in how did you close, and they didn't close well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if some of these prospects had announced for Florida, you know, in in the next in the last couple of days, there probably would have been more excitement, um, you know. But that didn't happen. Rashada was basically their last commitment, and that was many weeks ago. So. They didn't have a, a a good close at all. They got none of the prospects that visited them officially in in the week before the Las Vegas Bowl debacle, <laughs> um, and uh, so I think you know you have that. Um, I do think it's a good class. The the one thing that is interesting is they didn't go and take. I, they've only got twenty players. They they have room for like twenty seven, twenty eight. But I think when they didn't get the elite prospects that they were in the running for, they didn't panic and then offer a bunch of three-star players that probably aren't going to pan out. But, well, let's offer them to you know fill up our 85 limit. So it, it is a good class of, of 20 players, 18 of which are four-star prospects. You know That's all good. But they've got to do a better job of getting the elite of the elite. You know, their top player, when you look at the 24-7 composite rankings, their top player is Rashada at number 56. So the University of Florida, it can't be sustainable where the University of Florida is not signing a single player in the top 55 in the country if if they want to ever compete for the SEC title again. Now, if you want to go to a New Year's Six Bowl, you want to maybe sneak into the playoff when it expands to 12. You, you could do that with this class, uh, but, but you're not going to win at a high level with, with this class. And so, uh, so I, I think that feeds into it as well. It's, uh, it's a good class in terms of us assuring that this team is, is on its way to consistently winning eight or nine games. It's not a good class in terms of this team surpassing Georgia or Alabama and contending for an SEC title, um, but I will give them credit that they didn't panic and take you know eight projects. They uh, they've got about six scholarships available. I have to assume that's going to go to transfer portal players. Uh, in Especially addition- since Napier has said he should have hit the transfer portal harder. Yeah, so I I mean I like the class. They did well at defensive line. They did well at receiver. They did well in the secondary. Um, but moving forward, they've got to start signing. Some some of these elite elite players, they've got to figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, again, if you look at the the top twenty in the state, Florida didn't sign any of them. Now they did well in the state. I mean, a lot of this class is from the state of Florida, and their four star players are blue chip prospects. But you've got to go get the elite of the elite, and until Billy Napier can do that, they're not going to be anything more than an afterthought in the SEC race. And I will say, I would have been very upset and panicked as a Gator fan if Jaden Rashada had not been in the class. But the fact that he is makes me think that 
they got the most important piece, and that's the quarterback. And and he may be very well the starting quarterback next year, and he may be the starting quarterback for the next three years. And that would be massive since, obviously, nowadays you do get a lot of transfer portal quarterbacks. We talked in a break that Sam Hartman could potentially be leaving Wake Forest for Notre Dame. That would obviously be just one season. And so then you're constantly doing the churn of quarterback and I would love for Rashada to be the quarterback for the next three years at the University of Florida, barring some other school offering him $5 million like supposedly Drake May got uh, in order to leave North Carolina. And I'll give Napier some credit for this. The 2024 class, and yes, it's ridiculous that we have to think about this, but right. it's just the nature of recruiting now. Uh, the 2024 class already has two commitments. They have three total commitments. Two of which, one's DJ Lagway, who we spent a lot of time talking about when he committed, uh, and the other one is Miles Graham, the linebacker. They're both top 30 kids as of now. Now, these lists are fluid. They could change. You know, Maybe they both go up. They both may rise. Uh, but right now, those are two basically five-star players. And so while they did not sign a player that was in the top 50 in this cycle, mm-hmm. they already have two commitments from players that are basically in the top 30. That's a good sign. Uh, and that's what you have to hope. But but again, now he's got to go win because you can't sell right. the building it now. Now you've got to be able to sell, I'm going to be here, look at the, who we're beating. You know, we're, you know, yes, we're still building something, but there's a foundation that you can see. It's not pointing to one win when Utah blew it <laughs> at the goal line. You know, now you've got several examples of look we can we can beat you know some quality teams so this is going to be a big year you go to Utah you go to LSU you host obviously Tennessee and Florida State uh he can't go six and seven again and and in my opinion and have a dominant 2024 class that that will not go hand in hand at this point so now if he can get to eight wins that's probably enough of progress for, a lot of pressure. For the, it's a lot of pressure. I mean, it is an absolute lot of pressure that Billy Napier will be under. Uh, and, you know, again, I, I think it's it, the 2024 class is off to a good start, but will it hold? And that's where I think Billy Napier has is, is got a, a big challenge on the field. If Graham Mertz is who he's <laughs> counting on to have it hold, then I would be incredibly nervous. He's going to lose a lot of sleep at night. And hopefully we're wrong on Graham Mertz and he comes in, starts early on next season, plays great, and, and they're grooming Rashada to come in uh, eventually at that point in time. All right, uh, before we get out of here, Hayes, we're going to toss it early to Mr. Chubby's where Rick Ballou is standing by because then we are going to close with a very special Dan Hicken Christmas song. Love it. But reminder for people, Tuesday, 3 to 6, you and Frank will be at Island Wing Bartram Park, and I want you to give your closing thoughts on the Jaguars-Jets. Just an amazing performance. I thought the team showed a lot of maturity. Uh, We'd already seen the belief that they have in each other, but to go on the road, short week, bad weather, great defense, uh, and get a 19-3 to victory, national TV, I I thought it really said a lot about the maturity of this young team. And they're in the driver's seat. I mean, to me, there's no – Reason to think the Jaguars are not going to win the AFC South crown. There's still more work to, to be done. Doug Peterson emphasized that today, uh, that they've got unfinished business. But they are going to finish this business, in my opinion. I love it. It's an early Christmas present for Jaguars fans. I'm still smiling over the fact the Jaguars beat the Cowboys in overtime and then the fact that the Jaguars went on the road. We were worried about the weather. And Trevor Lawrence said, I got this. 
Doug Peterson is just an amazing play caller, and it makes this city come alive. It's already alive for the holidays, but this city really comes alive when the Jaguars are winning, and it has been so much fun, and I would absolutely love an AFC South victory, title victory this season. All right, let's go out to Panavijer and Mr. Chubby's to say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL talking with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Rick Ballou standing by. Rick, were you glad that uh, you were warm and dry last night watching that game? Uh, honestly, no. I would have loved to have been there. Uh, this team is so much fun to watch, and, um, you know, I, I've got uh, – I've got a layer, an extra layer of skin that's been um, abused and, and has taken it from every direction over the last 30 years uh, by the maniacs on uh, social media and before that, whether it was faxes or emails. So I, I've always been uh, tough-skinned, and I, I think I can handle the elements outside. Um, amazing. I mean, this team is such a fun club to watch. It's a great time right now. Uh, to be a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, and I'm loving it. I, I think Tennessee gets blown out, you know, gets punched to the nose tomorrow or make that, uh, yeah, I guess it is tomorrow, against Tennessee. And uh, I think Jacksonville is going to go in there and win a football game next week. And I think Jacksonville is going to have their way with Tennessee here in two weeks. So I'm just trying to figure out, is it Baltimore? If not, who's it going to be? That'll be here in three Sundays when the Jaguars host a playoff game. I love it. Rick, Mr. Chubby sounds busy already. You know what? Richie's here, and he's a big draw, okay, (laughs) particularly with the ladies. I'm here, so it's kind of the standard crowd. But the happy hour continues, and why wouldn't you want to be out celebrating right now? We have, up until 9 o'clock tonight with the extended happy hour, we have two-for-one domestics, which include drafts and pitchers. All right, two-for-ones, obviously Miller Lite on board, $3 wells, $3 wines, everything that's going on in sports, 40 television sets uh, surround the great restaurant here at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Vedra. We're going to have a huge time. Uh, already some Jag fans in here, but I may throw them on the air tonight. I, I don't know exactly what's planned, but you know, I feel like this is a celebration as we're kicking this off right before the holidays, and we're going to have fun here over the next couple hours. Love it. We'll be listening. Thanks, Rick. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and Hayes as well. Merry Christmas. Yes, 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 yes. All right, there goes Rick Ballou. He will be coming at you live in just a few minutes into the night with Rick Ballou live at Mr. Chubby's in Ponte Vedra, so make your way out there to continue the celebration. It's been a celebration all day long. It started at 7 a.m. with a special edition of the fifth quarter. And uh, Rick's going to keep it going. So don't go anywhere. Keep it right here for Into the Night with Rick Ballou. But before that, we have a special Christmas song by one Dan Hicken. Merry Christmas out there, everybody. Oh, yeah. Santa Claus is in a little bit of a Christmas mood. There's Prosser screaming at Joe you once more. E.T. sipping Hennessy. Rick Ballou checking FSU scores and Frangie singing songs off key. Kind of ironic, huh? Everybody knows when 1010 is on the radio. Helps to make the season bright. Helmets and heels, those voices aglow. Take us to the stars on Tuesday night. 
We know the lunch bunch is on the way. They're dropping knowledge right after Jags today. And every Gator fan, they're standing by to hear a Gator Bites podcast on the fly. And so we're offering a simple phrase to listeners from 1 to 92, not 93. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas from 1010XL to you. Merry Christmas, Googans. Hope you all have some great gifts under the tree. Hope you understand the joy of the season. Hope you're with your loved ones. We love you. Thanks for listening. And happy holidays.